What is up? Thank you guys for joining us. This is Football Life Presents the Audible's Mega Super Bowl Extravaganza Special. Your screen is not wrong here. I am your host, <laughs> Randy Hammond. Joining you with Matt Bushnell, my co-host, and special guests, Jacob Anthony Moses and Henry Maldonado Jr. of our Life Group Umbrella Podcasts. Well, Henry's known as Zoom user today, but nonetheless, he's here. <laughs> uh, Matt, yeah, we'll start with you. <laughs> uh, how are you doing today, my friend? Shoot, Randy. It's been a uh, wonderful week in Arizona. We've low 70s, sunshine. Uh, I don't want to talk to this dude anymore. Jacob, Come you on. live in upstate New York like me. You can you know what it's like to live in the cold and the rain and the bullshit all the time. It's good to have you on. You haven't had John since before the season. I know. How, how the hell are you doing? I'm good, man. Back hurts a little bit from all the shoveling. You know, we all can't get 70 degree weather going out in tank tops to push the garbage out. But yeah, it's all good. I'm here feeling healthy. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be on. I'm ready to roll. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, and our fearless leader, Henry Maldonado Jr., uh, co-host of Dong City over in Baseball Life, the man who created all these groups is blessing us with his presence. Henry, you've just been on the show just a couple weeks ago, so our audience should be familiar. Uh, how you doing? Oh, You're in our territory today. I am. I am in, as you corrected me, central New York, dropping my son <laughs> off at school tomorrow morning, moving day. Uh, I'd rather be in Arizona with Matt in the, uh, with the pools, with the, with the pool coolers, you know, <laughs> I'm tired of this. So I'm it's from a real the thing. city, right? You guys know, look, you guys know I'm from the city. So for me to drive further North during this shit is like, come on, man. I, I want to get away from the snow. <laughs> I, I understand. Than as someone who lives north and is still able to go more north, it is still uh, it's kind of oh. like trippy when you go more north and the elevation is higher and the yeah, snow and the colder it gets. Yeah. It's just not fun. But uh, as Vince and Matt like to remind us, you know, we choose to live in the Northeast, so we shouldn't really complain. Whatever, but we're gonna complain about it. I anyway. don't complain. There's no place like New York. I don't care what anyone says. Where you live, yes. Where we live, there's other places <laughs> like New York. <laughs> Where I, I live, I don't claim this place. I don't claim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reside yeah. here. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have a couple. Uh, Jacob, another needs guest. To, Jacob needs the minority quarter, quarter for the, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the four of us are going to guide you through this whole show. We have a loaded Super Bowl related content show for you guys. It's going to be so much fun with the four of us. And then our friend Vince Mercadetti, Henry's co-host on Donk City and Baseball Life, will be joining us for a few segments later on. Uh, and that should be fun as well. Uh, but, you know, we always start off with the news segment. Uh, we're going to talk so much Super Bowl in just a minute, but I want to get some things that we haven't got the chance to talk to out of the way first. Uh, and we had a mega trade since the last time we spoke to you guys, and it was Jared Goff traded for Matthew Stafford, the Rams and Lions, uh, swapping picks and the quarterbacks. Matt Bushnell, I know that you're not the biggest Jared Goff fan. You might be a pretty big uh, Matt Stafford guy. I don't know. Uh, but our friend Leon Tompkins loves Matt Stafford. He didn't want this to happen. Nonetheless, it ended up happening anyway. I wish Leon could come on and discuss, but uh, we're going to talk in his honor here. Uh, I think this could be a win-win for both teams. However, right away, it looks like the reward will be for the Rams, especially if they win. Yeah, absolutely. This trade for me on the Rams side is definitely win now. They have everything in place to win. The offensive line's really good. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I still feel like they need something more than Brandon Cooks on the outside, just too inconsistent. Defensively, the, that window, anytime you depend on a defensive lineman being your best defensive player, especially an interior defensive lineman, it's hard because those guys break down quickly. Aaron Donald's a freak of nature. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that he's the best defensive player in football. Um, I know some people might throw out some names of defensive ends, 
But what Aaron Donald does is even when he gets double and triple teamed, he still generates the most pressure on quarterbacks in the NFL. And it is not even close. If you look at the next gen stats, it is about a 20% gap from the pressure that Donald creates. That's how impactful he is. And then you take a look at Jalen Ramsey. What Stafford's going to let this defense do is let them get into leads, more comfortable play, and really kind of let that pass rush and Ramsey take more chances. I think you're going to see Ramsey with more interceptions. I think you're going to see Donald with probably the same amount of sacks. Leonard Floyd, if he re-signs with them, might be a name to watch to lead the NFL in sacks next year. I know it's kind of a little too early to predict there. But Stafford just makes us a better football team, makes them more explosive offensively. They got to find a running back and they have to find another outside wide receiver. But when you look at the Lions, they believe in Jared Goff for whatever reason. I don't know why, because you take a look at they took that entire contract. It's got four more years on it. He's playing in a division that typically you're going to see a lot of good quarterback play with Aaron Rodgers. I trash Kirk Cousins a lot, but Kirk Cousins in garbage time might be the best quarterback in NFL history. So with all that being said, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say the Rams walk away winners in this trade. I know they traded two firsts, but for the price of a Super Bowl where this team is at, especially with the NFC West, because it's not going to be easy. This trade elevated them above the 49ers slightly. 49ers get a better quarterback. I'd probably put the 49ers above them, but this was a division Super Bowl winner type move. So that, that, that moves us to Henry. I mean, you, 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 your team plays in a, a division with uh, the Rams and, you know, you got to play against Jared Goff, which was probably nice, yeah. but now it appears that uh, the Rams are going to be much more of a threat and they got a guy that you wanted on your Niners. Yeah. A guy I wanted it. You guys know in our private chat, I've been, talking about Stafford all his season. I really thought we would get him. This is a home run move for these guys. I mean, the, this division just got better. It was already the best division in baseball or football, excuse me. And it just got better. You put a, a top guy in this division, you know, the nine is coming back healthy. I'm afraid to see what this division is going to look like next year. It's going to be the black and blue division for sure. I actually think this sets up for uh, LA to nicely go. I haven't looked at their cap issue, but this sets up nicely for them to go grab like an Allen Robinson type and, and just put him on this team. And, and that's that wide receiver you were talking about, Matt. And I think they grab him and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with Jimmy G, but he's got to do a lot next year to keep pace with everyone else. I don't, unless we get Deshaun Watson, I, I don't like any of the other quarterback options, but you know, they hit a home run. They gave up a lot for it. If they don't win a Super Bowl, this trade's a fail in my opinion, this is Super Bowl or bust. You, you have to win the Super Bowl here. You have to come away with it. You paid a hefty price. You don't have a first-round pick till I'm about 50 years old. So I, if they don't win, it's not worth it. The Lions came off heavy, man. They, they saved a lot of money. Even though they got golf, they saved a lot of money. They have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot of draft capital. And if drafted right, they could do some damage in the next coming years themselves. Yeah, so like you said, the, the Rams have a window here. Stafford has two years left on his contract, um, about, you know, an average of, you know, 20-some million on each year, which is pretty good, all things considered, for a franchise quarterback these days because Goff has a mega deal. Uh, the Rams have a $22 million dead cap hit this year, but also saved $12 million, um, the following year, which could lead to a wide receiver signing. Like you said, they might be able to, to take that cap and move it on to a weapon here. But they don't care about first-round picks. They're adopting that Patriots model where they don't give a single shit about 
about any first round picks, which if you look at the money, you look at the quality of players, it might be a, a better move just to acquire assets that you know are already good in the league. Um, Jacob, I predicted your Jets would have been the team that traded for Matt Stafford last show, and you strongly disagreed with it. Um, you know, did you not want Stafford? I know the Jets weren't really totally in Stafford anyway, but like, uh, I think Stafford in the right situation, like the Rams here, could easily be a top five guy and could lead you to the promised land. I think he's much better than Jared Goff. What was it about Stafford that you didn't want in the Jets? I just wouldn't have worked. I could see him just getting killed on like one of the first plays because the offensive line was getting there. You know, we got back then. But then on the right side, it was nothing else. And Stafford, yeah, marquee name. And like I said, it looked good. But all in all, the Jets, they're actually sticking with a plan. I want to see them build around Sam. I will say it. Matt gets on me all the time, but I really do believe, I really do believe in Sam with the right – don't shake your head, damn it. <laughs> with the right weapons, he can be decent. I'm not saying, you know, all pro caliber, but you give him the right weapons, I think he would be good. Like, you put on put him on San Francisco, hey, look, put him with Debo. Give him a running back. You never know what he can do. But Stafford, it just wasn't it for me. I just – and, oh, yeah, speaking of Stafford, ha, ha, ha. But – um. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's that yeah, I'd rather right go on cue. and let them let them finish what they started. Joe Douglas has a plan. We have a coach, you know, Robert Salah, I love it. You know, all gas, no brakes. Let's let's see what he brings. All right, Jacob. We're gonna talk about your jets here in a minute when we talk about oh, this Lord QB Jesus. carousel. Uh, if, you, if you're watching the show, you see who joined us. It is our friend Leon Tompkins, our resident Detroit Lions fan. Uh, Leon, you know, since the last time we spoke, uh, Matt Stafford was an Alliance quarterback. Now he is the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. I want to get your thoughts on former quarterback of the Lions, Matt Stafford, now current quarterback of the Lions, Jared Goff. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. Late to the party. Um, I was watching you guys, and I, I couldn't take any more of the Stafford bashing, so uh, I decided to jump on for a bit. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, so, I mean, Stafford's been the Lions quarterback for 12 years. I mean, I think that he was a guy you should have hung on to, but obviously they wanted to make him happy, and they got a ton in return. Um, so it's not all bad, but I, the committing to Jared Goff is what would turn me off if I were, if I were a Lions fan. Well, con considering I would say they beat the market for Watson, so they got a pretty good haul for him. Um, Goff was the kicker. Uh, I know they were talking to the Panthers about Bridgewater. Uh, they told him it might be the number uh, eight pick. Yep. Uh, and uh, the Broncos were in talk with Drew Locke, but I'm not in love with Drew Locke. So um, this defense is pretty bad. So it, as many picks as I can get, thanks to for his time. He couldn't beat the Packers. I mean, golf has been to a Super Bowl. Uh, time for a new era. So top 10 offense still for you, Leon, or are you kind of moving away from that now that you're Jared Goff? No, absolutely. They bring Galladay back. Uh, we still have Hawkinson. We're going to use uh, DeAndre Swift. I mean, hell, it might be top five. It's not a bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, I... he's clearly drinking because when he when, when he first came on, the phone was low. I thought we were going to have a Jared Porter moment, but now I know he's drinking. <laughs> now I know he's drinking. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, we're going to go dark if we have a Jared Porter moment. Oh, all right, all right. I, got, I got the HD iPad. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to really uh, throw a lot of cold water on Leon here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Goff did go to a Super Bowl, 
if anybody watched that Super Bowl, um, you probably don't remember it because it was by far the worst one I've ever seen. Uh, golf really? doesn't bring a lot to the table. I mean, you can bring Galladay back. Galladay is not dominant. Uh, a lot of things that he does, his hands are okay. Doesn't have top end speed. Slow out of his cuts. Not a big fan of Jared Goff, who's primarily worked with quick in and out break wide receivers. So Detroit, I think they got Goff looking at the longer picture. It's not about this year. It's not about next year. It, it's definitely four years down the road. I think they know they're going to be bad. And I think they know that they can land another top quarterback in one of these drafts. But if you can get two first round picks and you can get a quarterback to kind of tread water, but not be good enough to make the playoffs like Matt Stafford, I, I, not a bad deal. No, yeah. um, I agree. Look, I mean, you got two first-round picks. One of those picks is essentially uh, an agreement to take on Goff's contract. So um, you're kind of paying for it there, but at least you get another first-round pick. And for the Rams, you're in a window right now to win. Uh, I think Matt Stafford is immensely talented and has been kind of held back by the Lions organization. I think you would agree with that as well. Um, but, you know, Matt Stafford's now time for like QB stats. Uh, win, uh, QB wins are not just a stat for QBs, it's a team stat. Uh, but now Stafford's going to have to show that he can win the game in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. I think McVay is the right guy for him. I think the Rams are the right team for him. Henry, you have your hand up. What is it? Yeah, I mean, you you also have the possibility the Lions can just turn around and trade him too. I mean, it's just quite more picks. Yeah, I, mean, I, if I was them. That's what, what I would be do. Interested. Yeah, I mean, you have stupid teams out there like Philly. It, it makes the contract more movable, too, is because the cap hit's already been hit. So Detroit's not going to get hit with a second cap hit for golf. So that contract is definitely more movable for Detroit. Uh, the, the issue is, like, we talk about Philly, we talk about the Jets, we talk about teams, and everyone put their eggs in the Deshaun Watson basket. And, and I know we're kind of moving off Stafford here because I, I really don't think there's much more to add to the Stafford talk. I think Stafford is going to a really good place. I think with Stafford, it's an instant Super Bowl contender. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that. But when you take a look at the quarterback landscape, I felt two ones was right for Stafford. Um, Carson Wentz is most likely going to be moved, and we'll talk on that in a second. But I want to talk about the Deshaun Watson stuff, Randy, because I think everyone assumes that Deshaun Watson is going to be traded. Here's the breakdown of how I feel Houston can navigate this situation. One, there's no rush to trade Deshaun Watson. Why? You have him for four more years at $160 million, you know, total. Then you have the usage of the franchise tag for three years. Essentially, they have Watson for seven years still. So for me, if I'm Houston, fine. If Watson wants to sit out this season, I'll let him sit out. I have no need to trade him. Why? I get my first round pick back the following year. So after this season, I'll have my first round pick back. So it benefits me to be shitty. So if Watson's out, I know I'm going to be shitty. So that gets me a first high one. Then if I want to trade Watson, I can really look at the best offer without needing a quarterback, because if I have the number one or number two overall pick, I'm going to get a really good quarterback. Um, maybe the kid out of North Carolina, Howell, I believe his last name is. So for me, if I'm Houston, I'm not trading this offseason. I have all the leverage. Watson's going to have to play if he wants to get paid. There's no motivation. The only way I trade Watson is I'm, if I'm getting five first-round picks. 
that is the only offer that I'm willing to entertain. It's going to be a haul for Watson, and I don't think these deals are related to one another. I think the golf aspect of this deal is why that extra first-round pick got thrown in there, and it would have been a second or third if it wasn't for the case. I, I think Stafford warranted a one. I don't know if he warranted two ones on his own, but I think the golf aspect of this deal was why he had that extra first-round pick. So Watson's value is not going to change from this, uh, this, this train. It's going to be three to five picks. It's going to be probably a good player. It's going to be a lot. Um as you can see on the screen, Vince Mercandetti is joining us. We're going to talk some Super Bowl with him in just a second. Uh, Matt, uh, we have a whole QB carousel happening this year. You predicted or someone predicted 18 different quarterbacks are going to be on the move. Already we got two of them. Uh, there are rumors today about Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan in trade talks, Henry's Niners talking about Kirk Cousins potentially. Sam Darnold could be on the move. A whole mess of quarterbacks could be all over the place here. And this is why the NFL is great, just the all-around movement of all the players. Um, what's the latest on Carson Wentz, Matt? I know that, you know, potentially the Bears have interest, but I ultimately think that if we're going to move Carson Wentz, it's going to be the Indy. What do you, what do you got for us? All signs indicate that the Bears have topped Indy's offer. Um, multiple first-round picks, you know, one for sure is going to be involved. The Bears have a higher first-round pick than the uh, Colts do currently because the Colts obviously made it farther into the playoffs. Um I think from everything that I've heard on Chicago sports radio right now, I think everyone needs to pump their brakes in Chicago. It, it is the trade is there. The offer is there for Carson wants to come to Chicago, but it's not a done deal by any stretch. Indy has, you know, they can always counter the money aspect. If they trade Carson once, essentially what happens is like we talked about with the golf deal, $34 million of dead cap to the Eagles if they trade once, that is a huge number. In order to compensate that, they're gonna want extra first round picks. I'm not trading extra first round picks to cover your cap hit. You signed them to the deal, you have an issue with them, you want them gone, we'll take them, but I'm not giving you anything extra for that cap hit. Uh, there is talks that Nick Foles would be going back to Philly in that trade. So it's kind of like dueling cap hits, one for the Bears, one for the Eagles. To me, it depends what Carson Wentz I'm getting. If I'm getting the 2017, 2018 version, I do that deal in a heartbeat. I think Carson Wentz has one of the strongest arms in the NFL, uh, paired with the right coaching. Philly, when we take a look at the Carson Wentz saga in Philly, the issue was offensive line was awful and injured. Wide receivers were nowhere to be found. He had very little help. You give Carson Wentz weapons and some time to throw the football, he's one of the more deadly passers in the NFL. And I think he does need to change the scenery. He goes to the right place. He's going to be a really good quarterback again. I think the inconsistency of Carson Wentz is just perfect for Chicago Bears football, to be honest with you. I think that matchup is match made in heaven for you. And I could just envision Matt Bushnell complaining about Carson Wentz missing a wide open receiver or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but so, okay, Henry said that he's cool with Jimmy G moving forward if it's not Deshaun Watson. Me and Vince are basically st stuck with the poor man version of Eli Manning for the next four years. Jacob, you have Sam Darnold here. You want to stick with Sam Darnold, or if the Jets have a chance to pull the trigger on Deshaun Watson, what do you, as a Jets fan, do you want him to pick a, pick a QB at two? What is your ideal scenario for your team in green? Honestly, I, I'm on the fence about Watson because how much we have to give up, and when you're rebuilding, you have to rebuild because you basically you trade for Watson, you're giving up three first, you're giving up two set, whatever they wanted, then we're taking a step back. We have a lot of holes. Wide receiver, you know, 
things on the defensive line. Got to get another offensive lineman. There are so many things there and so many holes that you have to plug. That's why I'm, I'm leaning towards keeping Sam because you can go out there and get the Heisman winner in Smith. You got your number one receiver right there. That kid is explosive. And the Jets, last time we picked a wide receiver in this range, and I believe it was Keyshawn Johnson in 97, excuse me, 96. And I don't think you should pass up on that. I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. Leary of BYU guys, and but I would go. I I want to say Devontae Smith is a short thing. Give give Sam those weapons. Let let him rock out with it. He can make the throws. We know he makes the mistakes. <laughs> we we all know as a Jet fan. I've seen the fumbling, the dumb picks, but also Adam Gase. Come on. Once again, Adam Gase. What good is he for a quarterback? Oh, yeah, he helped Eli Manning. No, Eli Manning is Eli. I'm not, excuse me. Whew, my bad. Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. He was going to be good regardless. And he did nothing. I'm sorry. It was nothing he did that helped at all. He screwed up Sam Darnold. Now we got to run it back again. Hopefully we can get it right. I honestly don't know what they're going to do. There's Just don't go offensive linemen. They pick offensive linemen at two. I am going to throw a fit. I was going to ask, that Perry Sewell guy looks like he's legit. You don't want to pair him with Becton? No. <laughs> I'm so, no, absolutely not. You got to get weapon. You get a weapon at that first pick. Maybe the second, from the Jamal Adams trade, we have another first rounder. Go and get it. You know, get another offensive lineman. But that that number two spot, you got to get it right. You cannot screw up on it. I, I think they traded number – I think they traded or draft Smith. Go ahead. I apologize for interrupting. All right. Bye, yeah, I want to jump in here. At two, you definitely take Puel out of Oregon. Uh, everything that I've looked at, he's the next Orlando Pace. He's that good, that dominant at the point of attack. You don't pass up a guy like that as a sure thing. We often criticize, and Vince knows this, and we talked about the Saquon Barkley um, mm-hmm. saga a lot. Everyone knew Quinn and Nelson coming into the NFL was going to be a sure thing. Like, when you talk about getting Hall of Famers, everyone knew Quentin Nelson was eventually going to be a Hall of Famer. He was that good. He has been everything is advertised. Devontae Smith out of Alabama, we're talking right around six feet tall, 175 pounds. I mean, speed's everywhere in the NFL. You know, we know that. I, I, I would rather have a more a thicker wide receiver it can work Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that he can't work in the nfl but it's not a sure thing and wide receivers can take anywhere between a year and three years to come to fruition so you could be waiting on that if if you want to buy into sam darnold Mm -hmm. and you really want to help him go get Puel out of oregon get the tackle have Becton and Puel. i i know it's going to be expensive when they both kind of hit free agency around that same time frame but you do everything to protect a quarterback if you're not taking a quarterback. With that being said, there's no chance in hell they're not selecting a quarterback at two. I got to get in here real quick. These are my first words the entire podcast. <laughs> yes! He was dying. He was dying. Maddie <laughs> gets to the – by the way, that's Yoshi's nose if you see it coming up. Uh, Maddie just just touched on the fork in the road of me and Randy's fandom. And then it's like the widest <laughs> – widest separation after that but you hit right on the fork in the road which is the 2018 Giants I mean I'm having PTSD flashbacks right now for Jacob because this is that all over again 
you uh, the Jets have Jay, you nailed it. You you have so many holes right now to fill. You have the number two spot this year more than that year. A million teams could use a quarterback, and we know one's going at number one. The mm-hmm. the Jets have to have a market to trade back. I refuse to believe there's not a market to trade back, and that's exactly what they should do. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna stay at number two. Uh, Matt, Matt's right. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take the infrastructure pick, uh, boring as it is. If he's that good, I don't know much about him. I'm not focusing on it, but th- those this are also, the, this also goes back to what we were laughing at saying that the jets couldn't even tank properly because if the jets have the number one pick dangling Trevor Lawrence for Deshaun Watson is a much more enticing story there. Mm-hmm. They, they have the number two pick. It's, they, they don't have much to work with because everyone knows Trevor Lawrence is going one. If they have that one pick, they can tell Houston, hey, this is the guy you want. This is the next generational talent. We all think you give me him. I give you this draft pick and everyone wins. And two, you can't do that. And you can trade Darnold and recoup picks, too. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. Number one, you had three, three dynamite options. Number two, in my mind, you have one. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have a one B and then you've got colossal failure. And eighty million dollars in cap space, so the Jets, the Jets can fill that wide receiver spot with the cap space too. Okay. Robinson. Seen them screw that up recently, so right. <laughs> cap space. So yeah. All right, Jake. I, do, I, do I, I, I want to wrap a bow on this, Jake. But if you were yep. a betting man, who's under center for the Jets week one in twenty twenty one? Week one. The way things were going, I am gonna actually go with Zach Wilson. Okay. I'm not going to fault the Jets that they take a quarterback in number two. I, I just uh, have that feeling. Just I okay. don't see the – they can say, oh, we believe in Sam all they want, but you can see it in their faces. That guy is dead as a door now in New York. Okay. You didn't even make Jacob Trent happy with that pick. <laughs> no, actually, let me say this one thing with Matt. No, I do like it because you know why? It reminds me of when we had the Brickishaw and Nick Mangold, and we had those guys. Mm-hmm. That offensive line was great, but we had a shitty quarterback in Mark Sanchez. As much as I liked them. Look, me and Matt preach it every single week. Uh, football, no matter how much it changes, is one in the trenches. If you have a good offensive line, a good defensive line, you will win football games. It doesn't matter how good the rest of your team is. Running backs, receivers, they're all expendable. Um, a quarterback, obviously, is important, but if you have a good offensive line, it elevates the play of your quarterback regardless. Um, all right, I was going to talk about the Texans hiring David Culley, and I was going to talk about the announcement of the NCAA football game, but that feels unimportant now that we have Vince Burkendetti <laughs> joining our party. Vince, let me j- formally uh, welcome you to the Football Life Presents the Audible. Super Bowl mega extravaganza. Vince, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. This is my second one, so I'm, I'm excited. This is my favorite non-Dong City podcast of the entire year, the Super Bowl extravaganza. Yes. So. I, I love it, and I, I love doing the show. I've been telling Matt all day. I'm jacked up, ready to do this, talking about it all week. I have the whole weekend off. I got Monday off. I am ready. And this is like a time of the year, like you want your team to be in the Super Bowl. But honestly, the, the stress of not having to worry about whether your team wins or not, like it's kind of just nice. And I, I talk to myself in every Super Bowl matchup, whether it's going to be good or bad. And I love Bullshit. it. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Look, I've, it's been nine years to the day since Bullshit. the Giants have been in the Super Bowl uh, that they won. Thank you very I much. I was much <laughs> happier last year on this show when I had all my flair. This is why. This is the difference. gang This is the difference between. I am today. This is the difference between you and probably the rest of us on this podcast. You were overly confident in the Niners, where the rest of our teams were there. We would be they concerned. We would not joined. be overly confident in our teams going into the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Brandon and I get Sanders. three months 
three months to prepare for not being in the Super Bowl every year. So like by the time the Super Bowl comes, we're like, oh, you know, Jacob, oh, sorry, we already figured out all matchup. Super Bowl playoffs. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Me? All right, so we're gonna start talking about all things Super Bowl now, and we'll get into the actual matchup on Super Bowl Fifty Five, the Bucks and Chiefs, uh, in a few segments from now. But I want to talk about the other stuff. The Super Bowl is an event; it is the event of all events, if you ask me. I don't care who's playing in it. I will always root against the Patriots or Tom Brady or whatever. But I will always find interest in every Super Bowl. I just love this stuff. So I want to go around the panel here and just ask some rapid fire questions. And I'll start off with my co-host Matt Bushnell. What was the last time your team was in the Super Bowl? And what was the last time they won the Super Bowl? I already know the answer, but I want you to answer it anyway. Yeah, I mean, 2006 season, 2007 Super Bowl, and then the 1985 season, the 85 Bears, Monsters of the Midway. Greatest football team had to ever play the game with a certain Mike Ditka as their head coach. <laughs> All right. Henry Maldonado Jr., you mentioned that your 49ers were here last year. I'll ask you the same question. What was the last time they were there and what was the last time they won? Actually, last time we were there was last year. It was a heartbreaker. The year before that was a heartbreaker. First and goal, second and goal, third and goal, all at the one, and you you never run it. The last one was 95 in the one of the ugliest Super Bowls against the Chargers. So mm-hmm. It's been a while for you, Sneaky. They made it there a couple yeah. times, but it's been a while for the 49ers. Yeah, Two heartbreaking uh, losses, man. It's wild that me and Vince are coming Beyonce from a place of privilege help us. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, I always say it's so bad to be a Giants fan, but maybe I'm starting to rethink things. Uh, Jacob, what was the last time the Jets were in the Super Bowl and what was the last time they won? 1969, and they happened to win it. So they're one for one, baby. But so you got the Joe Namath jersey on, you predicted it. The guarantee, man. He going out. That's one of the most iconic scenes ever. He went throwing up the one going into the tunnel. <laughs> 16 to 7, they it's beat been the so Colts. I wasn't a twinkle in anybody's eye, so that shit don't count to me. So <laughs> It's been so long, we barely had the Civil Rights Rights Act passed. By <laughs> Damn shit. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many things in the world that have happened since then, Jacob. I, I apologize. Uh, you should have made it in 2010, if, if it makes you feel better. I actually, I think, really think you should have beat the Steelers in that I game. I agree. But... I agree. All right, Vince. We're both Giants fans here. I'll answer it for you. Nine years ago, exactly today, the Giants won Super Bowl 46 over the New England Patriots, 21 to 17. I have the banner right over my shoulder. Hard to believe it's been nine years since that happened. Yeah, a whole different phase of life. I'm usually good, especially in football, I'm good like every 10 years. And luckily for me, the Giants generally are in the Super Bowl like every 10 years at some point. That's just the way the franchise has gone. And now we're getting to the point where I don't think that's going to happen um so that's a little frustrating but 2012 was uh very neat uh I had just moved to Florida I was like not quite indoctrinated yet into being Mr. Florida but uh I was like two months in and I go to a Super Bowl party like meeting all these people I didn't meet before and they win and I was with my best friend who's a Patriots fan so it was just extra awesome um but that one I was a little more Randy you mentioned how like we're basically like we've got IBS the whole time leading into each of our Super Bowls. Uh, I was a little more confident in 2012. 2007 was just all gravy. Like I had no intention. I just wanted to cover the 12 and a half point spread. 
Yeah, I I definitely the second time around just felt like eh, this is this means a lot more to them than it does to us. If we win, then I can just crap on Boston fans even more. And that's how it ended up shaping up so for us. So, all right, moving on now, Matt Bush, I'll start with you again. Uh, your favorite Super Bowl memory from your favorite team. Uh, is it uh, the Devin Hester kick return is my, my first question. I mean, it has to be. I mean, uh, for a significant memory, but a little bit of surprise here tied with that is the fridge scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Such an iconic moment. The first fat guy getting a touchdown <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, how could you not love that? Yeah, and if you guys are watching on Facebook Live or wherever, I mean, feel free to comment your favorite uh, memories as we go along here. I'm asking these questions to the panel, but I'm interested in hearing from you guys as well. Uh, Henry, what is your favorite Super Bowl memory from the 49ers who have a rich history in the Super Bowl? I mean, it's easy to point at some of the, the bigger plays, but I, I can say I was so excited when it looked like we were going to complete that comeback against Baltimore. You know, they that halftime show, Beyonce cut the lights off. It looked like we were just storming back. It was literally would have been the largest comeback in NFL history. You know, it was fun. You know, it, it wasn't heart gut-wrenching until the end because it just felt like we were coming back. That second half, it just felt like we were going to win. I enjoyed everything until we got to that one yard line. <laughs> mm. And uh, oh, why can't I remember his name? The offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you got Frank Gore in your backfield and you don't run it one time for four straight plays. Cap overthrows. Um, what's crab his name? Tree. Jesus Christ. Yes, yeah, Crabtree in, in the end zone. It was just, it was heartbreak, but, but leading up to that, man, that whole half of football was just exciting as hell for me because it just felt like we were going to, you know, finish that comeback. That's, uh, I, I, that's crazy that you won so many Super Bowls. You have such iconic players, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, and it's, it's the almost that got you there too. That's crazy. Uh, Jacob, you know, we talked about still, your It's the age thing. I, you can, you yeah. know, you enjoy it more when you're older, you know, when, yeah. you know, 15, I was 15 years old when they last won. It's not the same as an adult. Football means just so much more to you. And, and my last two Super Bowls have been just duds, man, and, and just heartbreak. Yeah. Jacob, Super Bowl three. Yep. I know we don't have any memories of that, but uh, if there was a moment for the Jets, what was it? Don't wonder. Well, when I was watching on NFL films, you know. <laughs> the black and white tape. <laughs> the black and white tape. <laughs> Maybe happy. Just a, I mean, obviously, if I was born, I think I would have been going crazy. But the best moment is them just – Beating the juggernaut Johnny Unitas, beating the Colts, and that's pretty much it, man. Let's go back to the AFC Championship game that they should have won. Couldn't stop them on, you know, third and six, I believe. I forgot the tight end's name. I was just, come on, one stop. One stop. That's all you needed. One stop. We got it. Nope. First down. And then that was pretty much the end. The Heath of the Miller? Game. Is that what you're talking about? There you go, right there. Yeah. Heath Miller. And it just hurt. And then ever since then, it's been down the shitter. <laughs> all right Vince uh we have some memories obviously that we've discussed in person actually which was a lot of fun but I wonder if our favorite memories are different uh what was your favorite memory from the Giants uh Super Bowl well so here's the thing right the 2007 <laughs> you always love your first the most um you can ask me in any sport that first championship there's just nothing quite like it but um so mine comes from 2007. I mean, I didn't breathe the entire second half of that Super Bowl. We had a pile on at the end. My roommate was a Patriots fan. He was all butthurt. Like everything about that night was fantastic. But I can't even say it's the, it's the Tyree catch because here's the thing about playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. 
it's really not over until there's no more time left. So I didn't get to really enjoy like the major moments of that game until it goes through Randy Moss's fingers at the very end. And I knew it was over, but I will say this, there's two moments that, that no one ever talks about in that Super Bowl. Uh, Cause everyone talks about the Tyree catch, the Plax touchdown, whatever. Um, one was they convert the fourth and one, I think with Brandon Jacobs on that drive. I think Barely that was before the Tyree catch. And two, <clears throat> was um Alfred <laughs> just fucking he yeah. sent Tom Brady into another universe on that final drive right by the end zone and when he got that sack I was like shit like they're not just driving straight down the field kicking a field goal tight or, or um you know getting a touchdown kicking a field goal like when we got that sack I was like they've got a shot here and then Brady throws it like 65 yards through the air. The next two plays make me shit my pants anyway. But those two plays stick out to me that no one talks about. And both of those gave me hope where I was like, this could happen. Yeah. I'd be lying to you if I said that the 2000 season, 2007 season wasn't the, the greatest and, and most influential season of my life. I made a long post about it, football life earlier today. It completely changed who I am as a person. Uh, the Tyree catch literally made me throw up in, in anxiety. Like I could not believe what was happening uh, in that moment. Like you don't actually think you're going to win. And the fact that it's even a game you're happy about inside, but like, you're like, holy shit, we have a chance here. Um, but honestly, like, like you said, you don't really think it's over until it's over, especially when the Giants have blown so many games before. And I mean, every team has blown games, but like, I feel like the Giants find new ways to lose all the time. I have distinct memories of me and my cousin, Sweeze. You guys love to make fun of his name. I don't know if he's watching or not, but me and him are literally like best friends. We're brothers and we watch every Giants game together. As soon as the ball dropped in Super Bowl 46 off of Gronk's hands, and I knew it was incomplete as time expired we ran outside and literally ripped our clothes off and went streaking down the road. Like it was so happy. Like, I don't think like the, between 2008, 2012, like you never just think that's going to happen to you. I can't explain the feeling of your team winning the Super Bowl, but all I could tell you is that you're just overflowed with happiness. And um, my fiance's dad, uh, my future father, father-in-law always gives me shit because I say those are the two best days of my life. I can cite the dates on a dime. I still can I mean, until recently when I graduated from college, proposed to her and everything like those are obviously bigger moments in my life, but nothing ever made me happier to that point than those two games. Uh, it meant so much to me and my family that they won those games and uh, you'll never take that away. As bad as the Giants are, much as I complain about them now, I'll always have those memories of those two seasons and, and I'll always be grateful for that. Uh, all right, moving on to another rapid fire question, which is not really rapid fire. We're all talking quite a bit here, uh, but I want to know your super favorite Super Bowl memory, not involving your team Matt Bushnell. I mean, you watched a lot of Super Bowls in your life, a lot of legendary moments in the history of the sport. What's your favorite Super Bowl moment? This is a very, one of my favorite players as a kid was John Elway. And often I cite John Elway as the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And I I'm really shifting gears on that because I think it's Patrick Mahomes at this point. But when John Elway ran for that first down and did the whole helicopter spin, like I just lost my damn mind. Like I think I was about 16, 17 years old at the time, you know, not a humongous Broncos fan, but one, they're playing the fucking Packers (laughs) and I hate the Packers. And I'm so glad Brett Favre didn't get that second Super Bowl win because he can go fuck himself too. <laughs> John Elway was the man. I I'm, I'm, can't say how much that made my day. What a fucking game. What an iconic play. 
that's my favorite Super Bowl memory from a non-Chicago sports team. All right, Jacob, you watched the Patriots play nine Super Bowls in the last 20 years or so. I imagine your, your favorite Super Bowl memory doesn't involve that, but maybe it does. What's your favorite Super Bowl memory? Honestly, it, anything with them losing. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no it could. It's, it's kind of a toss-up between the Rams with the one yard short, but that Tyree catch, I, I'm not even going to lie. Just and people forget how Eli was almost sacked that play. Yeah. That dude was a complete escape artist. He just <laughs> you think he's going down, he gets it, gets his composure, tosses it up there, just <laughs> on the helmet. And I'm just like, what? I, right there, and I was like, they're gonna win it, right, right then and there, because plays don't happen like that. No. Unless something big is going to happen. You, you just called Eli Manning an escape artist. That alone is, a, is an incredible feat. He's slow, <laughs> he's slow as, he is slow as molasses, but he can he can actually get out of tackles, man. He he was good at it. I props, props to that guy. Yeah, uh, we were all Giants fans on that day. I still I still uh, stand by that. Uh, Henry, your Niners have also played a bunch of Super Bowls. What's your favorite Super Bowl moment? Um, not not Niner Super Bowl. I think my yes. favorite moment is watching – my favorite quarterback ever, which is Peyton Manning, finally get a ring. Yeah. I think the, that game the, the was narrative garbage, for him, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> the narrative of him not being able to win a big game. You know, yeah. I think people forgot about how great he was and how much he changed the position. So yeah. watching him finally get a ring was, was it for me. You know, though, I he, think he, I, he, he didn't win that Super Bowl. Rex Grossman, Cedric Benson fumbling, <laughs> fuck Peyton Manning in that game. <laughs> Look, man, that if how did you remember how that game started? Yeah, Devin Hester pointing at himself was one of the greatest things to ever watch. Yeah, but I'm sorry, pay, watching Peyton get that that trophy, man. That he's my favorite quarterback ever, and and I just I felt like that was my team winning, watching him win that Super Bowl. I think I liked the Broncos Super Bowl more for him because I knew he was leaving. You know, I felt like I we all knew he was going to retire, so seeing him get a send off was was cool. Uh, Leon Tompkins. Rejoining us now, my friend. Uh, obviously, uh, the Lions don't have a Super Bowl for you to have a memory of, but uh, what is your favorite Super Bowl memory uh, after 54 of them? Oh, no, he's muted. What is he new? Come on, it's 2021. Brookie mistake. <laughs> Vince, while Leon figures it out, why don't you answer the question? Sure. That's I- a Detroit Lion if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Jacob actually mentioned it. Uh, the Titans Rams Super Bowl was actually my first bet of my entire life. I bet my dad five dollars the Rams would win. And <laughs> so when he gets tackled at the one, which I don't, I mean, you know, I think now as we're like twenty years removed from it, it gets a little more press than it used to. But for the longest time, I felt like that play was just kind of buried and like not brought up enough in Super Bowl lore. Um, but I remember seeing that, and I was like, even you know, thirteen years old, however old I was, it's like. Holy shit, like they just came within a yard of tying the game. They get stopped in the Super Bowls over, and I won $5. So that that one always sticks out to me. I was rooting for the Rams. I loved the miracle on or uh, greatest show on turf. I uh, was obviously upset when they lost to the Patriots the next year. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that did it for me. I, I mean, that's, that's a good pick. I mean, the, the game doesn't ever come down to a play like that that often. So it's definitely an iconic play in the Super Bowl. For me, uh, I would go the year after the Giants won Super Bowl 42. The Steelers and Cardinals overall just played one of the greatest Super Bowls you'll ever watch. Um, I, I slander the hell out of Big Ben for his postseason performances in general, but that is the best game he ever played in his life. 
Uh, he had Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone uh, to win the game uh, with like 30 seconds left. But the overall, the whole game, if you don't get the, if you ever never seen it, go watch it. Super Bowl 43. James Harrison has a 99 yard pick six at, at halftime. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald has a, a long touchdown to put the Cardinals up with like four minutes left. It is a, a back and forth game of all time. It is, it is an incredible football game with Kurt Warner and Big Ben. It is awesome. I love that game. It was a better catch by Santonio Holmes than it was a throw by Big yeah. Ben. I mean, it was it was all around a great play, but I tend to agree with you to stay in bounds and be able to lean and catch it out while, while keeping your feet in bounds. Uh, Leon, are you able to turn your mic on, my friend? Yeah, I, I finally figured it out. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite Super Bowl moment? Uh, well, Jacob had mentioned the uh, Rams and Titans with the one-yard line of Mike Jones. So I would say the Seahawks – just refusing to run the ball oh. at, at the one yard line. Just, I didn't ask just, your least favorite moment. I hated that shit. That? It, it, it was, but it, I, I find it, I find it, um, I find it funny because you know you look at Brady and, and his legacy. It's a lot of these plays that just lead up to it. It's like his record would be totally different. Uh, the narrative on him would be different. I, I just find it, you know, uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like, uh, you got to get lucky when you're in these games. And I think Brady definitely was fortunate that day for sure. All right. Another question for the rest of, uh, we're going to go down the panel. Once again, we have a bunch of these Super Bowl related questions and so feel free to answer them in the questions as uh, in the comments, as I said. Uh, all right. We're going to transition to non-football now quick. Your favorite halftime show ever, Matt Bushnell, does anything come to mind for you? I got two, but I'll just give the most popular one. When Prince was doing the halftime show and he was singing Purple Rain and it started raining, I I'm sorry, th th there's nothing else. You cannot give me another halftime show that will ever equal that. Henry? If we came back, it would have been Beyonce. <laughs> but Prince singing Purple Rain in the rain, nothing tops that. Jacob? Absolutely, man. It was nothing better than that. <laughs> uh, Vince, you going to keep going here with Prince, or you got another answer for me? No, I did love that moment, but no. And I'm right there with Henry. If they, if the Niners come back in that game, I remember it totally different. I was rooting so hard for the Niners in that Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to go. This is so random. The I don't. I think it might have been the year the Giants lost to the Ravens. But it was uh, the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, and like Aerosmith, and like everyone you can possibly imagine in one halftime show. Uh, I don't particularly love any of those artists, but that particular show was amazing. Like they did all of the best songs. It was highly energetic. This was before the wardrobe malfunction, like watered everything down so well. Uh, that for me was just highly entertaining, and it just added to sort of the festivities of, of that game, minus the entire actual gameplay all right uh leon your favorite halftime show uh, i mean everybody's gonna go with prince but i, I actually did enjoy last year's uh super bowl performance uh shakira yeah. j-lo but you know anytime you can get that on the screen you and your boy in 4k in the comments yeah yeah <laughs> good so i, I gotta I'm give some love to I mean, some I'm, of so, I'm so 
I'm surprised no one said Janet Jackson's titty. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to mention it. That was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect the whole panel to go Prince here. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake for uh, doing the only <laughs> wardrobe malfunction in front of 100 million people. Uh, Tom Petty performed at <laughs> halftime in Super Bowl 42. That obviously the Super Bowl means a lot to me. I love, my, my parents love Tom Petty and uh, he did an incredible job, I thought. Uh, Bruno Mars, who I think this current performer this year uh, is kind of reminds me of, kind of wants to be like, but isn't quite as there. I don't think anyway, but Bruno Mars absolutely Ooh, killed whoa, it. Whoa, I, I like I, the weekend. I like the weekend. Woo. But I, I think Bruno Mars the is The weekend is this generation's prince, man. That, 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 that dude is uh, that good. All right. That, that's the hottest take of this entire podcast. I'm just going to throw that out there. That dude right is now. that good, man. Uh, <laughs> Bruno Mars, to me, did it in New York. It was a, it was a great show. Yeah, I, I really thought he knocked it out of the park. Beyonce was incredible. Like you were just had to sit down and take a breath after Beyonce. Uh, that was awesome too. Uh, Michael Jackson's was up there too. Yeah, Michael Jackson obviously did a great job too. So uh, I mean, like you said, if you have any in the comments, feel free to point them out. But uh, now the question for me is, I have one in particular that I wanted to point out. But is there anyone that hasn't done the halftime show that you're like, damn, I wish they did it? And they, there was a missed opportunity there. Matt, does anyone come to mind for you? Uh, n- not anyone that would make white America comfortable. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, who said that had to be a thing? The, well, I mean, it, it, honestly, give me some. I, I wish Tupac would have done it. I, hell, I would have went with Biggie. I wouldn't awesome. mind Biggie yeah. in a halftime show. Um, Wu Tang, man. I, I feel like Wu Tang would have been perfect for that New York Super Bowl. It would have made so much sense. It would have been perfect. And they just missed it. Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake didn't uh, have the FCC all over them. Wu Tang would have. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Jacob, um, anyone that comes to mind for you? Oh, uh, that's about man. Wu Tang in New York. That, that <laughs> I, I got to go with that one because just imagine just everybody in unison, just any song like Ice Cream. You know, I can't say shame on it. I'm not going to say that one. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Just. Man, I gave me chills, actually. Man, that's crazy. I will go. Okay. I got to go on when y'all done. Go ahead, Hank. I, I didn't give you the chance to say yours. Kanye. Okay. Uh, mm. Kanye would have been perfect. What about like a Kanye Jay-Z duo in New York or something? Wouldn't that have been cool? I think Kanye's the biggest star on his own. Just He doesn't need Jay-Z. Okay. All right. Vince, what about Jesus you? Wa- I, I, Jesus walks halftime? Yeah. That would have been awesome. Uh, Vince, what about, I mean, me and you were probably going to whiten up the joint a little bit here, I imagine. I am definitely going to whiten up the joint, but before I do that, well, it's still kind of whitening up. Uh, actually, <laughs> just, just, I was just that I saw Kanye and Jay-Z in uh, at Yankee Stadium Eminem concert, so this ties everything together, and, uh, and they're both fantastic live performers, so Jay-Z and Kanye was actually what I was going to say um, for, the, for the New York one, really, could be anywhere. But Eminem gets my overall pick. I would have okay. loved in his prime to have him do the halftime show. And to Matt's point, even though he's white, I still think that would have been uncomfortable for white America. And he could have even done white America. And that would have made everything very ironic. But it's, uh, that would have gotten my pick. I was dying for him to do a halftime show when he was in his prime. Man, that would have been that would have ruined so many TV deals. Oh, uh, he would have. Yeah. The, awesome. Yeah. All right, Leon. I, I'm going to go last because mine's super embarrassing, and I want any of you to comment on it. Leon, who do you, who do you think Already, should perform? I, I know you so well. I know what it's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to type it in the chat. Yeah, I already know. I, you know. I already know what it is too. And hell no. <laughs> Leon, what's yours? I mean, if Randy's going where he's going, uh, I would second him. But uh, 
I, I have to go with Usher, actually. Okay. I, 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 Usher's a pretty uh, good live performer. I mean, his hits will be a long time uh, from now, but, you know, yeah. him and Chris Brown. Did he not perform in the halftime? Both of them together would have been dope. Yeah, Chris Brown is, yeah, he's, he's money. <laughs> the Chris dancing would have been incredible in that, too. Badass. Yeah, that would have been great. You know um, what they should do? Because I'm going to skip Randy because we know that. <laughs> yeah, I just they, saw that one. They should do like a versus. You guys have been paying attention to the verses going on on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But they take two artists. I think they should do something like that in the, in the halftime show. Look, uh, the greatest artist of the last 10 years, his name's Taylor Swift. She should have done the fucking halftime show in 2014. She released the album 1989. Great album. I saw her in concert. She was incredible. She puts on a great show. Uh, Katy Perry was awesome. You can't tell me she wasn't. Taylor Swift, Katy Perry was good. Good. Taylor Swift would have done just as good of a job, if not better. So my beef is that all, all those all, all those teenage girls would have been so entertained during the Think that of the eyeballs you could have got on it just from saying Taylor Swift's performing in the halftime show. Think about that. You want you want to get eyeballs? You know what you do next year? No, no, Taylor no, Swift. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You want you want you want eyeballs. You want musty TV. You have Public Enemy versus Kid Rock. Oh damn! God. Oh, we're not trying to <laughs> we're not trying to ignite the civil war here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> not what we're trying to do. <laughs> Too late. Oh man. Yeah, oh, Corey in the comments has some good ones. Um, I definitely would have liked to see the Black Eyed Peas. Yes. Um, no, they did in the le- 2011. Okay. Is what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. oh, so he's saying 2011. Performed before, and he has 2011. Yeah, what? they. Yeah. yeah, that was the that was the Packers Steelers Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh. No, God, yeah, no wonder I forgot that one. <laughs> um, no, you know, you know, a low key one though. Imagine if they did these shows like in the 1970s, and you had Black Sabbath up there, oh, and Ozzy just bit off the head of the bat yeah. at a Super Bowl show. <laughs> Didn't he do that mockingly one time? Yeah, I, I I know he did it in a concert. Yeah. Hey, a you can still. On... I was just gonna say, to your, to your point here, Matt. Uh, ACDC just released an album. I'd be fine with them doing it to this day. They're they're still rocking. So, aren't two thirds of the members dead though? Yeah, Angus died. Yeah, it's not the same same thing, but they still have a similar sound. So, uh, anyway, all right. This year it is the weekend, as I, we talked about previously. I was gonna give you a quick. Any of you have a favorite weekend song, Matt Bushnell? God, dude. Um, with having six kids, I don't listen to a lot of music because I have to listen to a lot of fighting and breaking up a lot of shit. So, honestly, um, I don't know. I- I'll find out on Sunday. Well, Henry compared him to Prince, so I hope Henry has has a few songs here. I mean, there's a few songs, but you know, you can go with the Hills. I'll say the Hills. Okay. But the weekend is underrated, man. And remember, he's also a songwriter. So there's a lot of songs that he writes for other people. I like the weekend. I just like Bruno Mars more. I didn't want it to come off as I don't like the weekend. Yeah. But all right, Jacob, you have a favorite weekend song. You have kids as well. Do you guys vibe out to the weekend when you're you're driving around Central New York? Some song, yeah, not yeah, like the commercial stuff. Cause I've been listening to him since he like came out. Yeah. It's the morning from his trilogy series they had. It's a song called The Morning, and I think it's Glass Table Girls. It's two mm-hmm. really good songs. You listen to them. It, You'll get into him, but he's really talented, man. That, they picked the right, right one on this one. Vince, what about you, man? Here's my knowledge of the weekend. Which, by the way, is it just the weekend, or is anyone else performing with him? It's I, just him. Just wow. him, from what I understand. My knowledge. Yeah, they said they said he wasn't bringing anyone out. Probably wow. pandemic related, but yeah. 
That makes sense. Um, my knowledge of the weekend is that yesterday I saw a preview for the halftime performers, and I had to ask my wife if that was indeed the weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> I've definitely never heard his music. Uh, I'm, you know, it'll be a nice surprise for me. But no, I have no suggestions. Yeah, that's amazing, Leon. You have any favorite weekend songs? I mean, I'm I'm digging blind and lights now, so that's, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna hear that all all day, all night. So I bet he starts that off with, with the show off with that. He has to. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I heard is he's not performing on the field. I don't know if it's a COVID related thing, but he's, he's performing in the stands, not in the field. Okay. That's interesting. All right. Mm -hmm. Look, uh, during quarantine, like many Americans, I downloaded the app TikTok and the blinding lights is a popular song on that app. So it's constantly stuck in my head, but he had a song called I feel it coming back in the day. Uh, I think five years ago. I love that song. His voice is, is really good. Bong City Special. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. so that, I love that song. And then I Can't Feel My Face was always a song that I liked a lot too. It's going to be a popular one that he'll probably play as well. Uh, all right. Uh, that's enough of the halftime stuff. There's other aspects of the thing that makes, at least like I always look at this as like, all right, how is my mom going to be interested in this? How is my fiance going to be interested in this? They don't give a shit about football. The commercials are always so insanely popular with the Super Bowl. Uh, they've been pretty disappointing in the last few years, if you ask me. But uh, overall, there's been some iconic commercials. Uh, I'm going to go down the line once again. Matt Bushnell, you have a favorite commercial that you could think of? Oh, man. Usually the Budweiser ones were pretty good. Um, yeah. Clive Sales do it for you? Well, no, no, I'm not a huge fan of the class. I'm trying to think of that job marketing one. I'm not sure if it was got um, monster.com. No, it wasn't monster. It was before monster. Oh, fuck. It was like the big first one out there. And they had a bunch of. Uh, oh, it was rocks. the one that uh, Candace Michelle used to add for, for WWE. I, I know what you're no, talking about. Not GoDaddy. Not GoDaddy? Okay. No, no. I mean, it was actually a website. Like, I, I applied for jobs on there before. So. Oh, okay. I just can't remember the website, but they had a bunch of monkeys working in the. Uh, <laughs> they staffed a bunch of monkeys. So. That, that kind of sticks with me in my drunken hazes of Super Bowl's past. But yeah, <laughs> recently the commercials have sucked. I've almost hated all of them. Yeah, they've been bad. Uh, Henry, what about you? Anything that comes to mind? Budweiser Frogs always for me. Yeah. Jacob, I assume you, you agree with that with the nod there? Oh, Jacob, you got on mute for me, my man. These step back, my guys. Bad. No, no, no. I was, getting, I was trying to get it off. Oh, not like that. But, um, but y'all remember no, the no. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird one when they're yeah. everywhere? That was frankly, yep. Yes. That's, That's a good for one. You. Yes. That one, and then the Betty White one. Stop it! Stop playing like Betty White. <laughs> that... The Snickers. Vince, I expect, yeah, you right. have, Vince, I expect you to have some Dr Pepper related answer here. I don't. Uh, <laughs> no. I, this commercial not only is my favorite Super Bowl commercial, but it was like I used to actually watch it for like years uh, afterwards. That's Terry Tate, office linebacker, was by far, and there's an entire website dedicated to his commercials, by far my favorite. I think it's the most hysterical thing that's ever been in like 30 seconds on television. Uh, I love it that it had such an imprint on you that you went back and kept watching it. Uh, Leon, what about you? Uh, Usually the, uh, the Budweiser Frogs, but uh, I guess more recently, <clears throat> yeah, Danny DeVito and the whole M&M's okay. deal. Yeah, that was that's good. good. Those are good. That's a good that's call. Good. 
Uh, the best commercial in the last three years was Eli Manning dancing with Odell Beckham Jr. to Dirty Dancing. Uh, no one could convince me otherwise. Uh, and the most memorable one from my childhood uh, was a Doritos commercial uh, where a, a, a mom brings in this guy that she's seeing and he meets her little son and he, he like looks at him and he's like trying to talk to him. And the kid doesn't like him and he grabs a Dorito and he like smacks a Dorito out of his hand. He's like, you don't touch my mama, you don't touch my Doritos. <laughs> I always remember that one for that one always made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, don't touch my Doritos after that. I, that one always, I thought was so funny. Um, all right. We're going to transition to the other best part of the Super Bowl, which is the food. And I work in news, which is the only part that ever I can ever talk about in my job is the food. Everyone cares about the food. What's the food going to be like on Super Bowl Sunday? Obviously, Doritos are a big part of it for everybody. But what is, you know, your game day routine? What is a tradition for you to do? I mean, I, it depends, obviously, if your team is in there and if you do stuff with family. And, and obviously, there's a pandemic going on. So some plans might have changed a little bit. But Matt, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, you got all your food ready to go. What, what are some routines that you have typically? It's standard, but detailed. One, always got to have the chicken wings, man. The hot wings, I'm blessed. I like doing my drumsticks too. So I'll cook up some drumsticks, um, you know, pizza. You, you got to have some pizza there. But back in the day, pizza, garlic bread, always good for the beer intake. Get some bread in that stomach so you're not too hungover the next day. I don't drink anymore, so I don't need to worry about that. But chips, um, always a huge fan. Low-key Doritos, spicy nacho Doritos and French onion dip. Don't downplay that, fellas. That's some good stuff right there. Uh, salsa con queso dip. Um, and if you're so privileged to know Henry, I've, I have not had it, but I would recommend his conquito, you know, to pair along with some of that delicious food that you're going to have. So close, close, close enough. Well, you oh, know. man. Yeah. Henry, why don't you say Luis it correctly? For the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's, the, the coquito can never go bad. <laughs> Coquito could never go bad. My meatball subs are always a hit at my Super Bowl parties. Um, love the meatball subs. Roast pork shoulder. I always have a taco bar. Like Matt said, wings and, and certain finger foods are always the staple. But for me, it's the meatball subs and, uh, and the taco and bar. you cook that yourself or what, what's the plan there? You order it in or you? Yeah, I mean, you don't keep this figure without cooking, brother. <laughs> so the whole day is cooking for you then leading up to the game. The whole, that's my whole prep. The whole day is cooking and, and go. You know, 39 hours of pre-gaming on the TV, you know, all the pre-game yeah, yeah. shows and all the stories. And that's 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 my whole routine. All right, I'm coming over. Jacob, what about you? Uh, we usually do – I'll do the boneless wings. I'll do honey barbecue, sometimes garlic parm, and then the regular. We'll do pizza as well. And if I'm feeling it, I'll make the mac and cheese. And I'll throw it down that way. Oh, you my. Know, you bring the chips and you – oh, yeah, you're – you got the itis by halftime. It's game over. <laughs> But yeah, it's that's pretty much it, man. But man, you got me now. I want pernilla now. Come on, man. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. I appreciate it. Vince, Cuban sandwiches be hitting. Oh. <laughs> uh, Vince, you you were kind of the model of fitness in our groups these days. But uh, are you splurging at all this weekend? These days, very uh, important wording. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I I was I'm being forced to by my wife because. Uh, <laughs> She's coming. We're just, it's just us for the Super Bowl, which is the first time probably ever. And um, so she's like, we at least have to eat like shit or else, you know, what's the point? And as a 100% Italian food generally regulates my mood. So uh, I agreed with it. So tomorrow we are um, Sunday. We're having 
I ordered some wings and we're going to do cheese curds because mozzarella sticks weren't available. And we're going to do some buffalo chicken dip with chips. So, you know, pretty good. Oh, and a side of fries, which she insisted on and some zingers. I don't know if you, it's an alehouse thing. I don't know if you guys, it's like chicken tenders essentially. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, usually my staple mozzarella sticks and pigs in a blanket are like the two things that I love at every event. So that's my Super Bowl thing. All right. I mean, that sounds like a good spread, though. I mean, uh, you know, I'm getting hungry just hearing all you guys talk about food. Leon, you're the other Bronx guy in the chat. Uh, what do you got representing you and the food game on Sunday? Well, it's just me and my daughter. So uh, going to keep it really small, maybe get some mini sliders or maybe a, a fry assortment deal, like some waffle fries, string fries, you know, mm-hmm. just have it on a plate and, you know, get some nachos and cheese dip. It's uh pig out from there. I love that. Uh, well, for me, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Typically, I make post Super Bowl resolutions. Uh, I don't ever really commit to diets as long as Super as long as Sunday football is a thing because I'm going to be eating whatever I want, drinking while I'm watching football. So I can do good throughout the whole weekend and ruin it on Sunday. So I might as well wait till after the Super Bowl in February to start my diets. So I go all out. Um, my main thing every year is I make crack dip, which is buffalo chicken dip in the crock pot. Uh, all day I'm shredding chicken. I'm making the dip. I'm trying to figure out who's coming over when and uh, how much food I need. You know, it varies between pizza, wings. I mean, the standard stuff. But the crack dip is key. The shrimp ring is key. Uh, I will demolish a, a whole hundred count of shrimp ring myself before two o'clock, and it usually sets the mood for the day. Uh, but then the diet starts the next day, so I got to get rid of all the food, so I can't order too much of it. It's always a science that day for me, especially. Um, but uh, the other aspect is drinks. Matt, you said you don't drink alcohol, so. Uh, what's flowing for you that day? You just drinking waters, you know, sodas. What, what's the deal with you? Yeah, well, we quit soda too, so I'm mainly focusing on water. Um, have some juice, maybe make a smoothie. You know, a little spinach, mango, you know, some stuff. So nothing really splurging there, my friend. You're really <laughs> going nuts. Well, well, you know what? A healthy lifestyle, Randy, leads to more years on the back end, my friend. It's Super Bowl Sunday, my friend. And of all days of the year, you can kind of do whatever you want today on that day. Uh, Henry, you are uh, someone who has a wide variety of tastes, I like to think. I don't think you're drinking Coquito, but uh, what do you got flowing on Super Bowl typically? Coquito is always on the menu. Um, about a month or two after Christmas, it's still on the menu, still some in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, different assortment of beers, IPAs. Some people still bring it over Oktoberfest. My liquor cabinet is pretty deep, so there's routine shots. We find a reason to do, you know, group shots, so a score, a touchdown. Every touchdown, we have a shot. So we I, I just find the second a reason half, to get shit faced. I assume the second half last year, the drinks were a little intensified, right? Oh, bro, it was bad. <laughs> it was brutal. I have a little uh, Steve Young, McFarlane, that I call Joe Boo, and he had a shot, and I ended up taking that at the end of everything. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, you got you got anything you're flowing uh, that day? You know, drink wise? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not a drinker, so okay. just me. Since pizza is gonna be involved, I always gotta go Coca Cola. That's always the yeah. oh combo for me. That's about it. Uh, cherry Coke, but that's, that's, that's the way you do it, man. I'm with you on that. That's the way to do it. Vince, is it is it full blown Dr Pepper for you that day? <laughs> I've got I've got Cherry Coke Zero in my fridge right now. I've got Diet Dr Thunder in my fridge right now. So those are uh, I'm with Maddie on the alcohol. Like I I actually I don't have any reason for it, but I just never drink alcohol during sporting events anyway. Um, but I am that's I could never give up soda ever under any circumstance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have both of those. I don't know, but it's going to be something soda related for sure. 
All right. All right. Leon, I mean, you're just hanging out with the daughter, but any in years past, uh, you get a little loose on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, usually, I you know, got my Coronas or uh, my friend, you have a, a a beer. Yes, he has a, a tap. So, uh, oh, IPAs wow. and okay. uh, he has a keg and just go through that. So, it works yeah. out. I, I, I get an assortment of things depending on how many people are going to be there. I, I'm, I usually drink these bad boys, these spiked Arnold Palmers, which are like cracking a can that go down so easily. And then I'll switch over. I have a pretty good sized liquor cabinet myself, but uh, I cut off cold turkey alcohol after the Super Bowl. So I kind of go nuts Super Bowl Sunday and then stop drinking after that. So uh, the limit is none uh, when it comes to Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, we go from there. Uh, I, I just love celebrating on Super Bowl Sunday. And that's why Monday I call out. And this is a general question for the group. How many of you have Monday off? Because I already took it off, but I have definitely called out on Monday after the Super Bowl in the past. I, I work from home. There's no reason for me to call okay. off. Dave. <laughs> I, I could wow. see and it won't really matter. <laughs> I've never called out. I think I would have called out had we won last year. <laughs> <laughs> Leon, if the Lions ever make the Super Bowl, I assume you're taking that whole week off. Yeah, I, I, I did win a Nationals one, so uh, okay. I'm definitely taking that day off. I'll probably make a trip to Detroit. He's going to take the whole month off. <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, did you go to any Nationals-related uh, celebrations? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I, I went I went to game four because I thought the Quinter would be game four, so I bought that ticket. But it turned out to be 2-1. They lost that game. And the next weekend, I was going to go to D.C., but for a celebration, I, I never did it. You thought they were going to win? You thought they were going to sweep the Astros? Uh, Jesus. Yeah, why not? I, I wish I had the confidence in my teams that you have, my friend. I, I respect that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, the Super Bowl is a giant event, but obviously it's all focused on a game of two teams that uh, are the two best te- or supposedly the, the two best teams in the league. And it is now time to discuss the game itself. If you guys want to bounce, you don't want to talk about the game itself, you feel free to do so. But I, I would like all of you guys to stay. I'm having a good time doing this with you. In a Super Bowl LV, Super Bowl 55, the Kansas City Chiefs back again for the second consecutive year. And then it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back for the second time ever with Tom Brady making his 10th ever Super Bowl appearance. This is uh, quite the game matchup here. I predicted this before the season. I don't think it was an incredible prediction by any means, but both of these teams are insanely talented. Now, Mike, I have a football-related question for all of you now. Matt Bush, I'll start with you. Is this the single greatest quarterback matchup in the history of the Super Bowl? Because I think it has a chance. Hmm. That's an interesting question because there's been quite a few good ones. You had Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. You had Joe Montana and John Elway. Um you know, Troy Aikman, Joe Kelly. The, the issue with saying the greatest quarterback matchup of all time is how do you measure great quarterbacks? I think everyone has a different measure and stick for what they consider great. Uh, I, Henry, you know, obviously thinks fondly of Peyton Manning. Um, you know, we have a couple of other really close group members. Joey Saldana loves uh, Drew Brees. So th- th- there's a lot of different ways to look at it. This is going to be a great quarterback matchup, but my issue is, One's really just ascending to a different level of greatness, and one is coming down that cliff um, at a pretty rapid pace. I I don't think this is the greatest matchup of current abilities. Maybe the best matchup of you know the ending of resumes, 
like once Mahomes' resume is written and once you view Brady's, this will probably be go- this will go down as probably the greatest Super Bowl resume matchup of all time. But I don't think this is the greatest quarterback matchup of all time in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we've had Staubach versus Bradshaw. We've had Elway versus Favre. I mean, we've had a lot of things in the past. I mean, Henry, what about you? I mean, you go look back at the history of the Super Bowls. What, what do you think is the greatest quarterback matchup? Yeah, and I mean, if I'm looking at greatest right? matchups, yeah. if I'm looking at greatest quarterback matchups, I'm looking at two guys' careers that, you know, mm-hmm. are rivaling one another or up there. And I'm going to go with, you know, Montana Elway or Montana Marino. People forget that one, you know. Um, this one, I think, has more of the feel of uh, a passing the torch kind of feeling more than just a general quarterback matchup. I think this is, you know, the last generation's great quarterback passing the torch to, you know, who knows? We may just be looking at what will be the, the future GOAT. I mean, so I, I look at this more matchup as, as passing the torch than anything else. Jacob, what about you, man? I mean, a lot of great quarterback matchups in history. This one's right up there. Yeah, this is definitely up there, but I'm going to go. Time-wise, in 2010, Rodgers and Roethlisberger. Because those two were basically, you know, they're they not they, not even in their prime yet, but they you knew what they were going to bring. I will say Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback right now. I know, I know y'all can't stand the guy. But, I like him. I have no issue with Aaron Rodgers. But the guy, <laughs> He's good. Know, yeah, but him and Roethlisberger going out, it was, it was great. And you saw two good quarterbacks, two on their way to being great quarterbacks, just duel, and, you know, Rodgers got that ring, man. That's yeah. Vince, is it Jeff Hostetler, uh, Jim Kelly for you, or is it <laughs> Eli Manning, Trent Dilfer? It's got to be like, <laughs> but uh, Kerry College, Trent Dilfer. <laughs> yeah, I actually had done a little bit of digging because I wanted to confirm who Dan Marino faced when he was in the Super Bowl. Montana Marino, old school, probably gets my vote, and the reason being that if you took just the two super, the two quarterbacks in a vacuum and rank them all time. I think that's probably the highest congregate ranking that I could come up with. But um, recently I'd go Manning Breeze. That was probably my favorite Super Bowl that didn't involve the Giants because at the time Peyton Manning was my favorite non-Giant. And uh, Yoshi likes him too. And um, and Drew Breeze had the whole, you know, Saints had the whole Katrina thing going for them that year. And, uh, you know, Drew Breeze is definitely top 15 quarterback, top 20 quarterback all time. So Mm -hmm. That one, I'd say those two combinations probably do it for me. Leon, I assume Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre not falling on this list for you. Not by a long shot. <laughs> what do you guys the best quarterback matchup in the Super Bowl? You know, it, it, it's kind of weird. Um, Cam Newton and uh, Peyton. You know, Peyton was on his, like, consider his last leg, and Cam Newton was supposed to be I mean, he had the MVP season. He was to go to the next level, and he totally fell flat in his face. So, uh, <laughs> no, I probably go Cam Newton, Peyton. Okay, I mean, Cam coming off an MVP season, and obviously uh, that matchup was certainly entertaining. I thought, uh, but I, I kind of think that this is going to end up looking back as this, you know, Marino uh, Montana type matchup because you do have this iconic figure Tom Brady reaching his 10th Super Bowl, which is unheard of against a guy who you could, we could all totally see him making 10 Super Bowls in his career. I mean, the Chiefs are as set up as any team has been probably in our lifetimes. 
So I, I just I am just going to throw it out there and say it is the greatest quarterback matchup because I think we were watching the greatest talent to ever play quarterback in Patrick Mahomes and the most accomplished quarterback that we'll ever see in Tom Brady. So uh, I think this is one of the more intriguing Super Bowl matchups that we'll see uh, in our life. Um, also intriguing matchup, and we're going to talk about you – know, there's so many things that go to, to a game, but a lot of this stuff comes down to matchups. And a coaching matchup here, Andy Reid, now with a ring in his hand, uh, more confident as ever, and now he's coaching against Bruce Arians, who kind of a quirky guy, uh, had some success in Arizona. I believe he won a Super Bowl with, uh, as a coordinator somewhere, maybe on the Steelers, but never as a head coach. Uh, Matt, you kind of are crit critical of Arians living in Arizona, but you know I kind of like this matchup. Both really good coaches. Obviously, I'd give Reid the uh, upper hand here. What do you make of this coaching matchup? I think Andy Reid coached circles around Bruce Arians personally. Um, okay. Andy Reid's more of a culture we, and Bruce Arians is famous for throwing his players under the bus. You know, he'll say, well, you know, wasn't me. It was this guy, or, you know, I did this and they didn't execute. To me, that's just poor leadership on a lot of different levels. Bruce Arians is more bluster than he is actual bite. In my opinion, if you take a look at, just that Arizona team, when I first moved down here in 2016, you know, they had all these documentaries about, you know, this is the year, all in, all this other bullshit that they had. And you just could feel that team was phonier than shit. It was fake tough, that they weren't built on anything great and outside of Larry Fitzgerald. You know, so I, I, I'll always give Larry Fitzgerald an immense amount of credit. But to me, Bruce Arians is a good offensive mind. Uh, he, he will definitely take chances. I think this is the wrong Super Bowl to do it because when you make a mistake against the Chiefs, it is going to kill you. And for me, I think Bruce Arians is the weak link in this matchup. And yeah, that, that's why I would take Andy Reid over Bruce Arians every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> Henry, uh, I, I mean, we saw this Andy Reid coaching uh, impact on a game last year against your 49ers. I think Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is a much better coach than Bruce Arians, but, you know, is there anything that you see in this coaching matchup to make you think otherwise that this could go differently for the Bucks than it did for the Niners? Uh, Shanahan outcoached Reid in the first half for the record. Jimmy well, G the first three quarters. Emmanuel Sanders, you're not going <laughs> to ever hear me not say it. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I, I like this matchup, but I think Reed is just the better coach overall. I yeah. think he has the better team. Yeah, I, I'd say now I think a lot of us have more confidence. In so Reed, Reed and, uh, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jacob, I mean, you, you you got a good coach, Robert Sala now, but uh, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator on the Bucks, uh, I, I, he's really doing a nice job over there. Oh. But overall, <sighs> anyway. the coaching staffs uh, are pretty good on both sides here. Which one would you rather have? Yeah, screw Todd Bowles, but anyway, uh, toilet bowls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Reed because he's just like Matt said, head above heels better. You know his personnel, and plus I think he's just gonna do what he has to do. But I'm definitely gonna go with Reed because Arians. I just I don't know. I don't know something about. It, I just never liked. It's more than the whole you know throw your players under the bus, but he just seems really arrogant. For some reason, I just I don't like that about him, and I just that's far as it go for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a few Giants ties in this game, Vince, but uh, Steve Spagnolo uh, going against Tom Brady once again in the Super Bowl, which we're obviously we're familiar with. But um, you know, coaching staffs, I think they're both really talented coaching staffs, but uh, you probably give the advantage to Reed, right? 
Yeah, so here's uh, there's three reasons. Spoiler alert! I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. One of them is the coaching matchup. Andy Reid used to be the cup job of the century. Could not win the big game. Could not win a big game. And then he started actually allocating different parts of coaching to different people, and it's worked great ever since. And now, to me, he's the pinnacle of the modern day coach. Um, and the Chiefs are the pinnacle of modern day football. So. Andy Reid, I've got no concerns about. He's won a Super Bowl. He doesn't handle the clock management any anymore. He he's a plus for me. Uh, Arians, I think, is not on that level. And adding to it, Randy Spags is a Brady killer. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. That's a bad matchup if you're Tom Brady. And uh, you know, and I'm a bigger Chiefs defensive truther than most people are mm-hmm. to begin with. But you add that matchup, man. Spags knows how to beat Brady. And I'd like to drop this whole charade that Brady's unbeatable in a Super Bowl. I mean, the man has lost three times. Fantastic player. He gets to the Super Bowl a million times, which is great. But he's beatable in the Super Bowl. We've seen six. Spags himself do it. So coaching matchup to me is a mismatch. I don't think it's close. I think it's a mismatch and it favors the Chiefs. He lost Eli Manning twice and then a backup quarterback. Nick Foles, so definitely beatable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leon, uh, well, none of these guys are Dan Campbell level coach, obviously, but uh, which <laughs> should you rather have here in the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's clearly Reed, but you know, I, I wouldn't say Arians doesn't have a shot. I just think you know his arrogance can get in the way. If he runs the ball enough, he you know keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, he might have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, it would take a game plan of all game plans, I think. And uh, I don't know if it'll be Arians doing or or Brady's doing, which I think Arians has given Brady a lot of the credit for the Bucks' uh, run here. But uh, <clears throat> I like the, the coordinators on both sides here, too, for the record. Todd Bowles done a great job as defensive coordinator for the Bucs. Uh, Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator of the Bucks also done a nice job. But also, it doesn't get any better than Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. Guy should be a head coach by now. That's ridiculous. He's not a head coach. And as Steve Spagnuolo, my heart will always be with Steve Spagnuolo uh, there. So the coaching matchup is a mismatch uh, from the head coach standpoint, especially with Andy Reid. I think that, that we all agree there. There's no doubt about that. The weapons matchup, I think, is a little bit more interesting here when you look at the talent on all, all uh, on the, both sides of the ball. And the Chiefs are looking at Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis Kelsey. That's just a, a, a limited amount of speed, it feels like, what the Chiefs had. But there's no slouches on the on the box either there. I mean, Mike Evans is a hell of a wide receiver. Um, Chris Godwin is, is incredible, too. They love Scotty Miller. Gronk is a shell of himself, but still can make plays. Antonio Brown is questionable for the game, but he might play. Obviously, Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers that we've had in the last decade here. Uh, overall here, Matt Bushnell. Uh, Offensive-wise, obviously the Chiefs, we know, are almost unstoppable when they're clicking at all cylinders here. But is there a case for the Bucs weapons-wise that, you know, they might have just as good weapons as the Chiefs? No. No. (laughs) It's not even close. Mike Evans is way too inconsistent. He'll he'll make the spectacular catch, but there's too many drops there. Um, He gets a lot of billing as a top-10 wide receiver. I think that's more due to fantasy than actual – like, when you watch it, I think football – baseball is more of an analytic sport you can take a look at the numbers because the numbers don't lie i think football you really have to look at the player and look at the plays and look at the game film to see what actually is going on in the midst of a play antonio brown is not antonio brown with pittsburgh let's stop that nonsense right now Um, he played against i think an overrated saint secondary 
Packers defense, let's face it, it's not a great defense. Then let's just talk about um, Chris Godwin. He's the real deal. He matches up really good. Love Chris Godwin. Gronk, I don't even consider a blip on the radar at this point. He'll give you one or two catches, maybe for 50 yards, but you know he may convert a couple of first downs, but still, you take a look at the Chiefs' weapons. You can't teach speed. It, it's unteachable, and it changes things. It turns things on its head. What I always talk about, you could tell how a defense respects an offense by where the safeties line up. If you see the safeties, and this is what the Bucs were doing against the Packers and what the Bucs were doing against the Saints, they were lining up their safeties between 12 and 15 yards. You line up your safeties 12 to 15 yards on the Chiefs, you're going to lose by 50 points. You cannot, and, and they'll play a lot of single high safety. Nobody in the NFL, and I've watched about 12 Chiefs game film, no one consistently played their safeties more or closer than 23 yards. It was always between 23 and 27 yards. And you know what happens once you start playing those safeties back? You, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets yards. Le'Veon Bell is going to get yards. Derek Williams is going to get yards. Travis Kelsey is going to pick you apart across the middle. He'll get 10 or 11 catches by halftime. I mean, we saw against the Bills. You can't defend this team. The Bucks you can defend. You don't have to give them the same amount of respect. Clearly, the Chiefs' weapons are about three to four times better than the Bucks' weapons. Wow, that's a, that's a, I think that's a little bit of a bold take, Henry. I, I tend to think that the Bucks have a, a pretty good uh, offensive unit here, especially uh, at wide receiver, and even the running backs. Leonard Fournette's played well, and Ronald Jones has played well as well. Uh, I'm not saying they're better than the Chiefs, but I think they're pretty talented, don't you think? I mean, I think they're talented, but I don't think they're on the same playing field as the Chiefs. I mean, <clears throat> Tariq Hill is a top five running back. I mean, wide receiver. Kelsey's a top two, top three, maybe the number one tight end. I just, it's a mismatch on offense. I think if that's, if it's going to come through, it's going to be that Tampa Bay defense. Um, they need to get quick, quick hits on home. They need to get them down. If they let them run around and make plays, it's a wrap. It's a wrap early. I, I don't think the offensive weapons are close to one another, honestly. Wow. All right, maybe I might be alone, alone here. Uh, Jacob, what about you? What do you think? Did this this guy really just didn't take his mic, turn his there mic on again? No, no right. I got it. <laughs> 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 no, but um, you guys not watch that first game? <laughs> yeah. Tyreek Hill just said, uh, you, can't, you can't hold me. You can't hold me. You can't hold me. What do you have, 200 in the first half? What was it? And that's alone. Just him alone. And then – they just pretty much blew the doors off, man. I can't see them. Like Henry said, you got to get pressure on them. You know, Shaq Barrett, they, they, let's be real, that defensive line is nasty. So if they can get to him, yeah, they're there. If they can get to him, we'll see. But it's I can't. With Kelsey Hill, as far as Watkins, you just adds another dimension of him. And then let's that night, Le'Veon Bell, he can catch out of the backfield too. Hilaire, same thing. You know, they it's – this is one of the best offenses we've seen in like history. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's no, no denying it, man. It's it's gonna be rough. Yeah. I, I don't see it being close, to be honest. No doubt, no, no doubt, man. I, I mean, the speed kills for sure. The Chiefs are insanely talented. Uh, Vince Mercadetti, you are in Florida, uh, not in Tampa per se, but you are our boots on the ground reporter here. What are what are people in Tampa saying? I think they're a little bit more confident in the in the 
Buxton, you know, this just whole hating panel is, right? They are very confident. So living in Orlando, I get Tampa market. Uh, Orlando doesn't really have a market, especially for football because I don't have a team. So I, <laughs> I've been listening. I get a lot of Bucks propaganda. Um, I listened for about 30 minutes the other day. Uh, first of all, let's start with this. They think that the Bucks should be a four and a half point favorite in this game from a Vegas standpoint. So <laughs> that's that's the level of confidence right now that they have in Tom Brady and the Bucks. Wait, 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 wait. Before you continue, so Florida's going to Florida. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't yeah. give a shit yeah. about what any of you think or any of your logic. They think the Bucks should be four and a half point favorites. The only advantage, that, and this is these are radio hosts. I'm not just going like based on message boards. They the only advantage they said is Mahomes over Brady, but at the end of the day, Brady's still Brady. So what difference does it make? And then they they tout the defense. Now here's the here's the counter. I'm going to come at it from an angle, Randy. The next two segments I'm going to kind of blend them here. Okay. So there are three reasons, right? We already named coaching as one that the Chiefs are going to win this game. Here's the second one: the Bucks don't have the right weapons. <laughs> what I mean by that is that uh, that you look at it in a vacuum. Yeah, they've got great weapons for Brady. This is probably his best. T- team of weapons since 2007 with the Patriots. I, I mean, you can't deny that. The Bucs are dangerous. They've got the better defense. My problem is that the Bucks' defense is mainly built around stuffing the run. They're the best team in the NFL at stuffing the run. And the Chiefs don't even care about that. They don't play that game. That's not the way the game is played <laughs> now. Uh, and oh, by the way, all of their running backs are also receivers. So here's my problem when you think about this matchup with the Bucks' defense, which is better than the Chiefs' defense statistically. Okay, you're guarding Tyreek Hill deep, right? And then you've got Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in football, coming over <laughs> on the short field. So you're you're splitting them that way. All of your running backs going to the flat goal, wherever you want to send them as a safety valve, can catch. And then, by the way, you have Sammy Watkins on top of it. So I don't care what the Bucks defense is ranked. It's mainly built around stopping the run. My only concern matchup-wise is that the Chiefs are without a couple guards on their yeah. own. So if you can do a reverse spags, have the Bucks defensive line just eat up the, the Chiefs all day, that's fine. But, oh, by the way, Mahomes can also run. So he can get out of the pocket. So I just – I think that the Bucks in a vacuum, if you're looking on a piece of paper, yeah, they've got they've got some good matchups. I think it's probably comparable talent-wise. And on the right matchups, that Chiefs offense is a bad matchup for this Bucks defense. Just like the Chiefs coaching is a bad matchup for the Bucks coaching, even though the Bucks have a good coaching staff. That's how I look at it. All right, Leon, we'll come to you in just a second, but Henry uh, is telling me that he's dying over there with his iPad. So before we get to you, Leon, we're going to continue this discussion in a second. Henry, before we let you go, I want to get your official Super Bowl prediction and give me a couple prop bets that you're looking at here for Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I think the prediction is, I think the game is going to feel like the Chiefs blowout, but I think they'll win a close game. I think Tampa Bay covers the spread. I think the Chiefs win by like two points, one point. But that's just kind of how the Chiefs have been playing all year. You know, they've been playing close games. They haven't done well, well against the spread all year, honestly. But I think it'll feel like a blowout. But, you know, I, I think the Chiefs win and uh, Tampa Bay covers. And what's the over on? Is it 52, 51? That sounds right. 52. Yeah, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say the over. Yeah. If nothing else, we got an entertaining game. Yeah. Uh, any prop bets you're looking at? Uh, I'll always take the over on the national anthem <laughs> and, uh, always take the over on the national anthem. And I'm going to go with heads. 
being uh, the coin toss. Oh, you're just a Debbie Downer there, aren't you? It's always tails, never fails. Uh, I'll tell you, you're my gambling guy, so I'll just tell you my favorite prop Heads bet. Heads best. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you my favorite prop bet. Uh, over under how many times Bill Belichick's name is said on the broadcast is one. Smash that over. They're going to say Belichick's one? name a hundred times on the broadcast. Oh, forget about it. Especially if Tampa Bay has a lead. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna say it's twenty is the over under. Yeah, you should have said it at twenty, and I would have bet the over. Twenty would be the over under. (laughs) Uh, There is no over under how many times Tony Romo has an orgasm on get on camera because I bet the over on that too. Leave Tony Romo alone. That man is amazing. (laughs) No, he's not. All right, Henry. It is always a pleasure to talk to you on the shows. Thank Thank you so much for joining us. Love you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Keep doing your thing, guys. Love you guys. Take it. All right. Back to uh, the conversation at hand here. Leon Topkins, you're Detroit Lions. I always going to introduce something about the Lions when I come to you. But they are a talented offensive team. I think you uh, more than anyone believe that. You say they're a top 10 offense. These two offenses are so legit to me. And I think that the Bucks are more talented than most of these people give them credit for. But I, I think Vince's point is, is true. that They have weird weapons. I don't think they have bad weapons. They're just kind of weird fits. Where do you come down on the weapons matchup here between the two? Well, it, it's funny because I, I also mentioned it uh... – uh, on a step back, I compared Brooklyn's offense to the Chiefs uh, with their big three. Uh, you look at Mahomes, you look at Hill, you look at Kelsey, you look at Kyrie, KD, and Harden. You got closers. Uh, You're giving Mahomes a little too much credit the, to the Nets there, I think, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it, it's proven the Nets are the uh, highest offensive, uh, highest offensive rating in history. If you know, in the past ten games, but you. Vince is right as far as the uh, Bucks matchup is concerned. The, the Chiefs are way too special. Uh, Mahomes' uh, mobility, Kelsey down the middle of the field, and Hill's speed, it's, it, the matchup is, is just too much to take it. And it's the same uh, comparison as you were used to Brooklyn. So in order to counteract that, you, you have to, you know, I guess, with Brady and his intelligence, uh, trying to run the ball, but, you know, Fournette and, and Mike Evans and, and Gronk, it's, it's asking a lot from guys that are not on the same level. Yeah, it's a good point there, Leon. Um, all right, well, let's move on now to the other side of the football where I actually think the Bucks have the advantage here. Uh, I know that's not the greatest matchup with the secondary, but uh, you can say the Chiefs have the advantage offensively. I'm not going to argue with that. A quarterback, absolutely coaching, sure. Uh, defensively, I think the Bucks, especially in the front seven, uh, have the advantage. JPP, Shaq, Barrett, and Dominic and Sue, Vita Vea, that front is legit, uh, and I think it's much better than the Chiefs' defense. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is bad. Uh, I'm kind of a def- uh, Chiefs defense truther, much like Vince, but uh, I am also a Bucks defense truther. They played very well so far in the playoffs, I think, in the front. And I think JPP has something that he's going to play for, and Vita Vea is a difference maker in the middle. Uh, it concerns me a little bit in the secondary, but overall, I do think the Bucks can get to Brady, uh, get to Mahomes a little bit and rough him up a little bit. And Mahomes even said earlier this week, uh, he's got to get rid of the ball quickly. And I think that anyone with a, any team with a good pass rush. Your goal is to get there as soon as possible. So Matt Bushnell, defensive-wise, you know, are you going to make the case for the Chiefs' defensive unit being better than the Bucks' defensive unit? Yeah, because they are. I mean, okay. uh, safety-wise, the Honey Badger does so many different things. He goats people into making terrible decisions, and he's opportunistic. He's a ball hawk. Um, Vita Vea, keep in mind, he fractured his ankle in week five. We're talking about a 300-pound man with a fractured ankle that came back two and a half weeks ago, he's not 100%. Uh, 
Sue, I, I go back to it's like the geriatric division. You know, <laughs> Nadal Sue is not 2010, 2011 Sue. He's not. And we can keep on pretending and you we can keep out throwing names out. But the Chiefs, I would take the Chiefs defense over almost everyone. And let's talk about Shaq Barrett. I think he's great, but a lot of his sacks come from blitzes because other people taking up blockers. He has a couple of moves. He does have a nice spin move. I'm not going to take that way. And a nice duck and under, he can get to there. But Chris Jones is better on the Chiefs defense than anyone the Bucks have on defense. I would take Chris Jones over anybody. He's probably... Kevin White? Yeah. Okay. Defensive tackles that can get pressure are more valuable than linebackers that make tackles. Okay. And, and I know that may not be popular, but pass rushers always get paid a premium. I love Chris Jones, so I'm, I'm not going to argue that Chris Jones. And, and then we take it Breland at corner. Um, I forget the other, the nickel corner that they drafted in fourth round. I think Harkins might be his name. Excellent cornerbacks that they have, and they can catch the football. Sorensen's a really underrated safety. What Kansas City is going to do, and I give credit to Spagnola on this too, and I think they still have D Ford. So to me, this is not D Ford. They have uh, uh, Frank uh, Frank Clark. Frank Clark, thank you. So uh, we we take a look at all these options that they have. They can generate pressure. They can do what they want. And guess what? Once they get a lead, this defense sinks its teeth in. Not only that, but they know they can make mistakes. They can play aggressive. Here's the problem that Tampa Bay is going to run into. Tampa Bay is going to have to figure out, do we play passive or do we play aggressive against the Chiefs on defense? Whereas the Chiefs are only going to play aggressive. Why? Because of that offense. They know they're going to put up 30 on the Bucs. It's 30, at least, for this team. The Bucs are not sure that they can put up 30 on the Chiefs. This is going to be a really tough matchup, but give me the Chiefs defense because they have the freedom to take chances where the Bucks are not going to have that same amount of freedom. Okay. That's a, that's, I think that's a really good argument from Matt Bushnell. Uh, Leon Tompkins, uh, your devices are also dying, like much like Henry Maldonado. So I want to come to you quick and get a quick Super Bowl prediction from you before we say goodbye. What do you got? Uh, I got the Chiefs 34, Bucks 27. Um, it's going to be high scoring. Uh, Mahomes late touchdown and MVP. All right. There you, you heard it there from Leon Tompkins. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I knew you were uh, stuck at work, so I didn't think it was going to be easy for you, but we appreciate you coming on, talking some football with us uh, and, you know, doing it while you're in public and all that stuff. It didn't look like you were, uh, it, it was an easy for you to do. So we appreciate you hopping on, go check out the step back with uh, Leon uh, on Wednesday nights, talking all things basketball. Leon, thank you so much for joining us and have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good one. You too. All right, Jake, we say goodbye to your partner in crime on the step back. Uh, and I want to come to you now on the matchup. Uh, defensively, especially, we, we got Vince's thoughts. We got Matt's thoughts. Uh, yeah, a little bit older, I, but I still think a lot of these guys still have a ton in the tank. Uh, and I think Devin White's a difference maker. What do you make of this defensive matchup? Who do you give the edge to? I definitely – I'm going to go with the cheese, uh, especially with the pass rush. I believe they were what? Was that 35%? They got to the quarterback, I believe, or something like that. They were second in the league. And Brady can't move around. <laughs> like, once you really put that pressure, as the Giants have done, they put the pressure on Brady. And I won't say he, he looks pedestrian. I will say he looks pedestrian. And you get enough on it, he gets rattled. This is not prime Brady. You know, he's 41 years old. There's only so much you can do 
But I really think the Chiefs will put it on them and actually I think it's going to be a repeat <laughs> what you saw in the first game. I, I really do. Okay. All right, Vince, we already got your thoughts on the defensive matchup. I'll just say this. I think JPP still has a ton in the tank to get to the, the, the quarterback. I think Shaq Barrett can still get to the quarterback. And I think those two guys in the middle still have a ton. Devin White is all over the field the last two games I watched him play. I think he's a playmaker. They did not have uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., the, the rookie uh, safety in the Packers game. And he's going to play in this game. I think that's a little bit of a difference as well. Uh, and to Vince's point, he made this, this is an important one here. No Mitchell Schwartz for the Chiefs and also no – Eric Fisher for the Chiefs. I know that it doesn't really matter about who really plays for the Chiefs. They're amazing, all that stuff. But four of the five offensive linemen that they had coming into the year are not playing in this game. I think that means something. And I think that, you know, Mike Remmers is the same guy who let Von Miller absolutely ruin Cam Newton's day in Super Bowl 50. Mike Remmers has played on seven teams in the last eight years, and he's playing right tackle for the Chiefs. I think that's a problem. I think that JPP could really cause some hell in this game uh, for the Chiefs. I think the Bucs have a slight advantage talent-wise over the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are more complete defensively because of the Honey Badger and some of their secondary players. I think that's a different argument. But overall, talent-wise, an ability to sort of wreck the game per se, I think I give that advantage to uh, Tampa Bay. All right. More to talk about now in this game. Uh, and it's, it's a whole thing because, you know, Matt, me and you talk so much about football. All year on, we talk about the garbage. We talk about Ben DiNucci, and we talk about um, all these trash quarterbacks that play all season, and it's just a mess. And we thought Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, oh, what are we going to do? Uh, Daniel Jones can't even throw 10 touchdown passes in a season. This is why I'm hyping up the Super Bowl so much, because we talk about so much bad football throughout the regular season that we get to this point, and it's all on the line for two teams to be world champions. This is the best current quarterback in the NFL, and I, my, what I consider the greatest quarterback of all time. I am not going to not make a big deal about this. The, everyone who's a football fan should always think the Super Bowl is a big deal. I, try, I talked myself into Tom Brady versus Jared Goff, and that was the worst game I think I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah, so there are so many different storylines and aspects to this game, Matt. When all you break down each and every aspect of it, the Tampa Bay being a home team, um, you know, it's just they've, they've played already this year. When it comes down to it, I want to get your official prediction. Give me some storylines you're talking about, some matchups you're interested in, and give me your official Super Bowl 55 prediction. One, I think it's going to be hard for – what the Chiefs can do is they neutralize pass rush, not by offensive linemen. They make their offensive linemen look better because of speed. What happens as a defensive end or even an outside linebacker is that you can't lose the outside edge. So what happens is you have to make sure you're conscious as a pass rusher to not let guys get on the outside of you. Problem with the Chiefs is Hardman, Robinson, uh, Hilaire, Tyree Kill, and, and even to a certain extent, Le'Veon Bell may not have the same speed as he used to, but they can run a lot of misdirection, which makes that pass rush slow down a little bit. A JPP or a Shaq Barrett might not be able to just bear down on Patrick Mahomes because they don't know what's coming on the outside of them. And if, if you have Sue or Vita Vea try to run a twist route, which is basically the defensive tackle looping around outside the defensive end, they're going to get smoked by those guys. So really just the matchup schematics of it. Andy Reid doesn't take um, a scheme and say, all right, you have to fit in this scheme. He takes his players' talents and he moves those players to where they will be successful at. 
he fits a scheme around the players. And that's the issue with the Chiefs, you know. And like I said, with the defensive matchup, you can't plan for speed. You can't guard against speed. Sometimes it's just too fast. And that's where the issue is going to come with the Bucs. The Chiefs on defense are going to be able to pin their ears back and go after it. And I know we talked, I think Henry mentioned that the Chiefs were terrible against the spread this year. They turned it on when they had to. We saw what happened when, with the Bills. They buried the Bills against the Browns. They would have buried the Bill or the Browns if Mahomes didn't get hurt. With that being said, I'm going the Chiefs 39, the Buccaneers 13. Wow. Ooh. That is a massive blowout. Holy shit. Uh, Vince, uh, you know, we obviously this podcast, heavy Chiefs love, obviously uh, Mahomes – uh, all things Kansas City. Not a love for the Bu- not a lot of love for the Bucks here. Are you going Team Florida or are you sticking with the chalk? Yeah, let me get all my thoughts out here, and then I will leave you guys. By the way, leave it to the audible that people's technology actually dies before the show ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Super Bowl special, damn it! I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, I will leave with these thoughts. Um, look, I'm I'm with you, Randy, to an extent that when you look at teams who can beat these juggernaut offenses, the Bucks look a lot like them. They, they've got a pass rush. They can rush four. They don't need to necessarily blitz to get pressure on Mahomes. Um, Chiefs have a compromised offensive line. Bucks have guys who can be playmakers in big spots, whether it's Godwin or Evans or whoever. Um, there's a lot of things to like about the Bucks in an underdog matchup like this, and they're not even that big of an underdog to be run by Vegas. You know, three and a half points, not that much. So, can the Bucks win this game? Yes. And then you can factor in Tom Brady didn't into the equation. The dude does some magical things. <laughs> you know, he teamed in it. He's never lost. He's never been blown out in the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a close game. Here's where it kind of goes south for me if you're the Bucks, And that is uh, that, yeah, make yourself comfortable for this. Um, <laughs> I want Yoshi's thoughts after this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I alluded to earlier in that I don't like the, I don't like the matchups when you get down to the personnel units. The Bucks are great at stopping the run. The Chiefs are better at passing the ball. The Chiefs are better at stopping the pass. The Bucs don't really run the ball. So, you know, you you look at those matchups and it's worrisome. Um, the home field advantage doesn't really matter because of the fan situation. So that doesn't really do it for me. And then you run into my third point. I said there were three reasons that the Chiefs were going to win this game. Here's the third one. I've said it all playoffs and so far it hasn't paid out for me. But I think it's going to pay out when you're playing a team of the Chiefs caliber. The Bucks disappear for at least 15 minutes. This is your thing. This is your shtick. Without fail, I've said it all season. Now, it didn't work against the Packers. Terrible play calling. Call it whatever you want. They had a big lead. Uh, whatever it is, Packers came back in that game. Bucks did disappear. I was right about that. They just, Bucks won that game. Saints, if Drew Brees can throw it to the right team and he could throw it further than 10 yards, when the Bucks disappeared in that game, they could have capitalized. Washington, if they were a professional football team when the Bucs disappeared in that game, you had whatever, the accountant making a comeback in that game, they could have capitalized. Now we're in the Super Bowl. You're against Pat Mahomes. His entire career so far has been built on comebacks and taking advantage of teams making bad decisions and disappearing. And you have a Bucs team who does this almost every single week of the season. You're going to see it, and that's going to be the reason that they lose. Whether they're ahead by 10 or down by 10 and it becomes a blowout after that, it doesn't matter. 
Bucks are going to disappear for about a quarter. Chiefs are probably going to put up three touchdowns in that quarter, and that's going to be the difference. Now, Leon took the rest of my thunder. He literally had the exact same score and MVP. <laughs> I had Chiefs 34, Bucks 27. The way I envision it, gun to my head, is that the Bucks are – it's going to be similar to last year. Bucks are going to be up 7, 10 points. They're going to disappear in that second half, probably in the third quarter at some point. Chiefs going to get three touchdowns, take like a 7, 10-point lead. Bucks make it close in the end. It's not that close. This isn't a Brady final drive opportunity, but it is a seven-point game. Chiefs cover. Chiefs back-to-back Super Bowls. Two of the three that I promised in four years from Pat Mahomes. And Mahomes is in that exact same spot that Peyton was when he played the Saints in that. At this point, I'm just rooting for him to stack up rings early in his career. So we have someone to compare to Brady down the line. What better way than to take one from Brady? So there you go. Those are my predictions. A little <laughs> bit of defense for Florida. Can Tampa win this game? Yes. Will they win this game? Very unlikely. I'm going to go Chiefs by a touchdown. Everyone have a good night. All right. That's Vince Mercandetti, Vince Mercandetti, the host of Dong City over at Baseball Live. Vince, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. You have a great weekend. You too. All right, Jacob, that leaves you and I to make some Super Bowl predictions here. Uh, there's no way you're rooting for Tom Brady here, I can't imagine. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> what are your official Super Bowl predictions? I I think the Chiefs really put it on them. But it, like everyone said, it's going to be closer than everybody thinks. I'll throw out the score, 41-35. Cause they're they're going to get busy to get on offense. Okay. We all know they're going to score. Yeah. But you talk about storylines when it comes to Mahomes. He has a chance to do something that the guy he's playing – was the last guy to do when back-to-back Super Bowls. Hated to see it. But Mahomes is basically where Brady was. Young in his career, he got his first Super Bowl early. Now, you know, Tom Brady's the elderman, the elder statesman, whatever you want to call him, and he's going against the Giant. (laughs) No pun intended. But he's going against the Giant in this one and the Chiefs. But I think Mahomes... And where what's going to come into play is his interception rate. What one percent through it? He does not throw him. He's yeah. a gunslinger, but he doesn't throw him. I'm not talking about Brett Favre, gunslinger. He threw interceptions. Mahomes, he doesn't make many mistakes, and that's going to be big. I think he's going to sit in the pocket. He's going to pick him apart. He might get rushed a few, you know, a few things of pressure, but speed kills in this league. Playmakers kill. Kelsey, playmaker. Hill, playmaker. Hilaire. Playmaker, playmakers everywhere, and the Bucks, like Vince attended to, he you can't take quarters off, especially against the Chiefs. And as you know, my guy Matt calls Mahomes God, and he might he might play like it because he's he's gonna be. I think he's pretty much healthy, and I don't think his what was his foot? He hurt his foot. Yeah, turf toe, and then the concussion. Yeah, I don't think that's really gonna affect him too much, and he's just gonna he's gonna go to town on him. And I think he's going to win his second MVP. Yeah, it didn't look like it bothered him too much against Buffalo. So I have no concerns about the foot for Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to, you know, make the case for the Bucs all show. I'm not really totally sold on the Bucs, but they have a little bit of that nobody believes in us thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can't – I don't think you can really rule that out. Uh, You you still play the game at the end of the day. You don't just sit here and analyze and say this team's going to win because they're better or else no upset in the history of time would have ever happened. Um, the Giants don't beat the 2007 Patriots if, you know, they didn't think they could actually do it. And I think Brady as an underdog is sort of a dangerous situation for the Chiefs to be in here. That's why I think this game is going to be close for three quarters. 
Mm-hmm. I think the Bucks might even lead this game, similar to the 49ers did last time. Uh, the 49ers led by 10 going into the fourth quarter last year. People must be, I don't know if people remember this. I know Henry remembers this, but <laughs> – then Mahomes hits Hill for a 50-yard t- uh, pass, and then they score 21 unanswered, and it's over for the Niners. This is just what the Chiefs do. I, I think the Bucks have been an incredible story. I think Brady, uh, it doesn't matter if he wins this game. It doesn't affect his legacy at all. Um, I, I think that the pressure is on the Chiefs, but I don't think the Chiefs even think about that sort of thing. I said before the show I had an analogy for the Chiefs, and here it is. Have either of you seen the movie The Incredibles? Mm-hmm. So Dash is the fast kid. And in the first movie, he's running a track race and they don't want him to show his powers. They want him to let the kid have, have a little uh, advantage on him. I'd be a little behind. And then he speeds up. They're like, no, 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 slow down, slow down. And then at the end, he speeds up and he wins. That to me is the Chiefs. They control everything. They can blow the doors off of every single team in the league if they wanted to, but they don't want to show too much. They don't want to put too much film out there. They absolutely coasted this entire season, and I said it. I don't care that they beat the Falcons by three. I don't care if they barely beat the Chargers and Herberts for a start. The Chiefs are now what the Patriots used to be, where the Patriots would coast. We're not going to show you anything. We're not going to let you prepare for when we're at our best. And even if they are down 20 in the fourth quarter in this game, Andy Reid, Kyoto Patrick Holmes say, hey, let's break out the playbook that's unstoppable. I don't think we've even seen the best from the Chiefs, which is hard to believe, but I really don't think we have. I think that they just do the bare minimum and still find ways to win, which makes this absolutely insane what the Chiefs are capable of. I wouldn't be shocked if you see the Bucks up 27 to 20 in the third quarter and then the Chiefs score three touchdowns and win. So that's how what I'm going to go with here. I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs win 41 to 27 in a, another fourth quarter comeback, much like last year. Yeah, I think. Matt, Matt Bush, I'll go ahead. Yeah, I, I want to address the 49ers team from last year. For as talented as this Bucks front may be, keep in mind the 49ers may have one of the best young defensive players, maybe one of the top three defensive players in the league in Nick Bosa. I said it right for you, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) DeForest Buckner was unreal. Just a force of nature. Then you take a look at Eric Armstead. Then you take a look at um, Fred Warner. I mean, the 49ers were stacked in the front seven. It, it was one of the best front sevens I've ever seen. They already played this Bucks team. They, they've seen this type of formula, a week back or a week back four and a strong front seven. And hell yeah, the 49ers gave them all sorts of problems. There is no way in hell that I can envision the Bucks winning this game unless the Chiefs absolutely shit on themselves. There, there is no formula for it. Tom Brady throws three picks in one quarter against Sorry. this team. It, it, it's done. Patrick Mahomes isn't going three drives without a touchdown off three interceptions. It is not happening. The Bucks like to play single coverage. They like to man up. You think they're going to man up on Tyreek Hill again after that 200-yard performance and a half? No. I mean, 200 yards and a quarter. Tony Romo said it. Tony Romo did that game. Yeah. Like, 
he is a quarter of the way to a thousand yards. <laughs> <laughs> and they took their foot off the gas in that game, if you ask me. Yep. I mean, the Bucks changed the single high coverage on Tyreek Hill, but also the Chiefs were like, all right, you got enough here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But guess what? When you change the single high coverage on Tyreek Hill, then you got Travis Kelsey. Then you got yep. Sammy Watkins. The, 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 there is too much here. And then the pressure is all on Brady to make these big throws. And, and I watched that Packers tape. I watched that Saints tape. Brady does not have that arm anymore. I don't care what anyone says. I've seen the tape. I've seen him overthrow a simple 10 yard out that he would never overthrow. I've seen him overthrow guys across the middle. That should have been picked. Like the Packers beat themselves. When Aaron Rodgers can't score, when you get three turnovers and you score six points, when you go for a two point conversion to chase points in the third quarter, when it doesn't make any sense to do so at that time. When you kick a fucking field goal on fourth and goal, when you're, when you need a touchdown, all of this adds up. And I'm not saying Brady is not the ultimate opportunist because you do have to come through on your end. You do have to win these games, but the chiefs aren't making these mistakes. This shit will add up. You do this against the chiefs. And I think to Vince's point, it's going to add up. And I can't see once the chiefs get to pin their ears back and Brady has to make those quick decisions. Keep in mind, Mike Evans is not a quick break, break wide receiver. Scotty Miller should have a really good game. I think yeah. Scotty Miller's going to have opportunities. I think Antonio Brown's going to be a non-factor. And I think Chris Godwin's going to be okay, but it's going to be Chris yeah. Godwin and Scotty Miller. Yeah. I think you're right about those two guys having an impact for sure. Uh, okay. Well, we set our scores before we say goodbye. I want to go around just get your MVP of the game. Jacob. Pat Mahomes, man. He's going to bring it home. Man, there's probably no way you're not going back Pat Mahomes, right? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I actually, I'm going to say Travis Kelsey. You took my pick. I was going to say Travis Kelsey too. I, 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 can, I, I can see Travis Kelsey having three touchdowns in this game. I, I see 20 receptions. I honestly do. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that too. Uh, I, we're on the same page there, man. There's no, I don't think there's that much of a surprise, but I think it's going to be one of those two guys. Unless Tyreek Hill has another 200 yards and a quarter and ends up with, you know, 500 yards in a the game, then, you know, you'd probably have to give it to him at that or point. Or a thousand. Uh, yeah. I mean, as long as I might mute Tony Romo by the third quarter of this game, depending <laughs> on how it's going, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. We're basically two hours into the show now. It has been a long one, but thank you guys for bearing with us before we say goodbye. We know Jacob, why don't you tell us about your show and when the next time you guys are going to be back and, you know, what you guys are talking about. You know, you can catch us on the step back. You know, we discuss everything NBA and the seasons, the beef, freaking <laughs> matchups. I mean, arguments doesn't matter. We try to discuss everything. You're actually going to catch us tomorrow. We're trying to figure out the time because we missed Wednesday due to, you know, time constraints and work and all that. Um, we will be on tomorrow, though. But, you know, A little Saturday edition. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm taking it back, but you can catch me and my guy, Leon Tompkins. We will be at you just going over our picks of the week, players of the month, rookies of the month. So we're going to try to get all that stuff out of the way because we got a bunch to catch up on. Um, what time uh, is that going to be tomorrow? Uh, we got to figure out. I'll say probably 12, 11, okay. 12 time. But yeah, we're going to hash that. Actually, when I get off, I'm going to message him like, hey, what the hell are you doing? What are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> so, um, and this is a quick turnaround for you guys. So we really absolutely. appreciate you guys coming on with us. Today. Nah, you guys do your thing. I love watching you. I mean, Witty, you always need that. You and Matt, <laughs> yeah, I know y'all football. Like I said, I wish I was as good as y'all. I'm trying to get there. But um, hopefully next time y'all see me, the Jets are 
with a new team, a new fresh outlook, <laughs> not winning two games in the season, maybe five. Maybe Deshaun uh, Watson. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, hey, the Mets got Lindor. We got our star. Now the Jets need one. It's a yeah. new era right now, man. Give me a championship. I'm tired of all this losing. <laughs> I'm crazy now. All right. Well, Matt Bushnell, we're going to be back on Tuesday uh, recapping Super Bowl 55. Uh, might have some more quarterback news for you. We'll see. But then uh, we might, you know, fade into the darkness here for a little, cut, little while because we pulled double, you know, pulling double time on the weeks here for a while. And it's been a long season. We finally made it. I'm going to say, hey, give, give some credit to the NFL for making it through without too much of a hitch with this coronavirus pandemic. The NBA is already having issues, Jacob, as you guys have discussed. <laughs> Uh, baseball is already trying to figure out a way to delay the season. So the NFL, the fact they pulled this off and uh, the healthcare workers in the stands, hats off to you. I'm not going to give you too much credit, but you know, you made it work. I'm not saying you care about any player or anything, but you made this work regardless. Uh, Matt, before we say goodbye, you have any parting words for the audience? Enjoy the greatest offense that you will ever see in your entire life on Sunday. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy watching Brady right off into the sunset. He may play another year, but this is it. You know, football, thank you. You know, um, it could have been a lot worse this fall, but but football really uh, helped out a lot, and hopefully everyone Mm -hmm. is safe and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we watched so many just garbage quarterback matchups all season long, such bad football. You know, uh, it, it's just enjoy this. It really I can't stress it enough. You, you, you make you put yourself through hell, like fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. You put yourself through hell just like there's a random Thursday night football game with the Titans and the freaking Jaguars. Like, enjoy this game. It's going to be a quality football game. It's going to be well broadcasted going to be a good halftime show it's just going to be a good time and enjoy yourself i hope you guys are all staying happy and healthy um wherever you are listening however you are listening thank you guys for being a part of our show we greatly appreciate it it has been one hell of a 2020 season uh, and we're happy that you know we made it through here without much of a hitch so on behalf of randy hammond uh, i'm randy hammond on behalf of jacob moses and matt bushnell enjoy super bowl 55 it's on sunday we'll see you guys on tuesday